episode 307 on sifted games at sifted.net i'm shane satterfield one half of your humble host for the next couple hours of intense gaming discussion led by two people who have 40 plus years of experience in the games industry between the two of them Jeez. i don't know if you can say that about too many other shows you're going to find about video games on the interwebs well, Seth was, com- was coming back to X-Play this week. So yeah, what is up with that, actually? Why did he disappear for a while? I don't know. I think he just had a break. I mean, like, not a mental break? Like no, <laughs> no, I think he was just taking a break. I mean, I mean, he lives in another city, so it's not like yeah. he's always around. Well, it seemed like he was away for a long time because yeah. of the health issues with his wife, and then he came back, and it didn't seem like he was back very long before he left yeah. again. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on there at G4. I don't know. They changed the schedule again. Um, which the the placement of X Play feels more, like feels better. I don't know. I mean, I we'll we'll see if they last past November, which is sort of the year mark, which is kind of kind of like where you would probably pull the plug on the budget of something if you were not going to continue with it. But yeah, I don't know. I it feel doesn't like, feel like it's gonna. No, last. but I I feel like they've done better than Ven. I mean, their, their programming is way better than. Ven. Oh yeah. Also, they just they didn't vanish the way Ven did. Yeah. Um. At the very least, I see people like trashing them, which is more than I can say. For no people, one, it was like Ven didn't even yeah, exist. Yeah, no one cared enough to, to trash Ven. I mean, we talked about Ven on this show, yeah. and people in our chat didn't even know what it was. No. And I'm like, if our audience doesn't know what Ven is, it is doomed. I, t- I brought it up a couple times to people I know who, when it first launched, we watched it kind of together, uh-huh. and they didn't remember what it was. So, yeah, yeah not... Uh... Yeah, and that's also gone now. Oh, yeah, long gone. Matt, do you think... I understand that G4 is trying to look at the current media landscape and create content that it believes is what people want now. But do you think that like X-Play would do a lot better if it was like the old X-Play where you knew you could watch it and you could get like three or four four-minute video reviews with some fun commentary in between, nice tight 22-minute show? Maybe. I mean... I really it's, think it would. I mean, I think it'd be better than what they're doing now. Yeah. Um, would it be successful enough to maintain? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that format still holds any cachet. Because the, 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 the format now is long-form essay content, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and here's the thing. You could do that within an X-Play format. You could do... Mm-hmm. Like, X-Play could absolutely be adapted. I mean, a it lot of... It could toss to the a packages. Lot of the, a lot of the S video essay stuff I see is clearly influenced by X-Play. Mm-hmm. Like... The, 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 the funny stuff, the comedy, the cutaways, the analysis, sort of the balance of serious and the balance of, hey, this is just games and we're having fun. Mm-hmm. The, they're bringing in the real world references for jokes and to make fun of that. Like, you know, when we started that, everybody just made it was furious because how dare we mix funny things with video games, video games, serious business kind of thing. Right. And uh, I mean, you you were there. Yeah. yeah. And um, and now like that's the standard mode. Mm-hmm. Like that, I like I'm gonna go ahead and say that between us and Vic Lucas, we kind of created that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, go watch some of IGN's video reviews from this week. Yeah, they're loaded with jokes, yeah. terrible jokes that aren't funny, but they're trying to make the scripts funny. Yeah, and 
we were better. I, I at think it. the. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just be honest. We I, will, I will say I think there's some video essay people on uh, YouTube that are just as good, if not better, than we are. Yeah, than we were. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm they, sure. Some I would hope stuff, so. Some of that stuff is really funny. Yeah, I mean, I would hope so. Twenty years later, yeah. however long yeah. it's been at this point, somebody would improve on that formula. You would think, but, but uh, um, it's great. H bomber guys, very. If you could, if you can bring yourself to sit through the three hour analysis of Deus Ex uh, uh, Human Revolution. Um, very funny in places. Yeah. Some of the hires there, I don't know what the people are thinking. I don't even know who is doing the hiring there anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what Some the, of the people working the, there. The, the virtual person seemed like a weird choice. Like the, the virtual anime girl. I didn't even see that. That's a, they, well, there's a, like a, you know, the, the virtual, you know, like the someone who, person who streams like with an AI, like a fake animated avatar instead of themselves uh, or pretends to be that character. Mm-hmm. Like they, that's one of the hosts. No. I just know some of the people working behind the scenes have, like, no experience in games at all. Mm. Like, you want a little bit of that? Because you don't want just all people like us working on game. Because when you have people who come from a different place, they have different ideas. And sometimes you can create some really awesome stuff that way. It seems to me that almost all the people who are working behind the scenes there have very little experience working in games. It seems like they just went and hired, like... B2B marketing people and like Hollywood folks like I think I think a lot of the upper echelons is that yeah and they've lost some of the gaming people too yeah so. I could understand why if you're working around those other folks so anyway um, it, feel, it just feels like they didn't never quite knew what they wanted it to be yeah um, and it's certainly a very different beast than what would have been hinted at if you watched that Thanksgiving reunion yes special. that's a good point actually because that Thanksgiving reunion special really nailed the tone that the old stuff had it did and it looked like it was going to continue and that has not really been the case mm-hmm. I think Attack of the Show has probably been the better show between it and X Play so far yeah probably it's at least, it, no, I'll say this it's the most it uses like the, format the old show yeah, yeah. Exa- yeah. yeah. Um, X Play was always a more produced and more planned thing more yeah. scripted thing yep. uh, but I am also, I mean, if nothing else, it got Sessler to enjoy being in front of the camera again. Yeah, and uh, look, I wish really Sessler that we both do. We both love Adam, literally like yeah. a brother, and we only want the best for him. And if G four doing well means that's good for Adam, that's what we want. Yeah, it's really nice to see him enjoying it again. Yeah, because he didn't for no a while for a long there. time. He didn't. So a lot of people very ran under- him off. Very understandably. Really. Yeah. yeah but- let's be honest. Uh, so anyway, here we are for Game Face three oh seven again on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. Slogging through the dog days of summer, Matt. We, we are doing our best here to bring good shows to you guys every week. Um, I think we've managed to do that somehow for this entire year. Our first topic today. As best today, we can. Yeah. We're going to get into some of the other stuff that's been going on in our first topic. We're kind of bringing back the big six. Our first topic today is a mm. collection of potpourri of stories that aren't quite big enough to get their own topic in the show. But we're going to round them up and kind of talk about them off the top of the show. Um, and then we have a couple games to talk about and a couple other really interesting topics. You know, Matt and I always do a good job of making, I think, making discussion interesting no matter what we're discussing. Um, a couple things before we get going. Um, our new episode of our new show, New Dimension, is live right now on YouTube. It went up at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. If you guys could do the same thing that we did with the first episode of New Dimension, head on over to our YouTube channel and like and comment and do all that stuff. So we can try to break through the algorithm with that show. Um, I really like the show. I think the show's great. Uh, the second episode that we just put up about 10 minutes ago is about Kirby and Kirby's transition from 2D to 3D. So if you guys could all, just this very moment, go over into another tab. Go to youtube.com slash games. It will be the first video on our list because it was literally just published. If you can go over there and like that and maybe leave a quick comment about what, how you like New Dimension... That would be awesome. 
Um, that's, I feel, how we're going to grow our audience and we're going to grow Sifted and grow our Patreon is through you guys interacting with our content on YouTube and helping us break through that brutal algorithm that has just been whooping our butts for like six years now. We can't seem to break through. It feels like we're always on the cusp and it doesn't happen. So again, head to youtube.com slash siftedgames and at least like New Dimension, which again just went up like 10 minutes ago. We'd really, really appreciate it. And if you haven't watched it yet, give it a watch. A lot of work goes into that show. It takes a whole month to produce each episode of that show. Vincent does a lot of hard work on New Dimension. Um, our, vo- our voiceover guy, Mike's Q, also, he has to voice that thing. It's like 20 minutes long. That's a lot of work. Uh, so if you appreciate the work that goes into the show, even me just editing the script and going back and forth on it, it's a lot of work. Uh, so if you appreciate that and you like the show, please head over there and at least give it a like. We'd really, really appreciate it. Um, what else? Um, I don't know if she's watching or not. My mom does watch Game Face a good bit. But if she is watching, I just want to take a second to acknowledge that her cat is on the verge of dying. And her cat, you guys, some of you guys may not remember, you may be new to Game Face or Sifted or whatever, but a handful of years ago, my sister was killed in a car accident, and this cat helped my mom get through it. And the cat is about to die, and she's about to put it to sleep. So, I'm getting choked up. <laughs> we love our cats here. Yeah. And um, so anyway, send some positive vibes to my mom. She's hurting today. I'd really appreciate it. And with that <laughs> uplifting start to Game Face, I think we'll just get right into the topic so I can forget how sad I'm feeling right now and we can talk about awesome video games. Uh, as I said, we're going to kick the show off with a potpourri of topics because there's a bunch of stuff that happened this week that aren't big enough to generate an entire topic, but are good enough to collect into something, and they're worth discussing because they're kind of big stories. In fact, a lot of these stories were like main topics in other podcasts this week, but luckily we have enough stuff that we don't need to do that. First up, we're going to talk about another delay, Matt. I'll be honest with you. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I'm just going to go ahead and say that when we draft next year's uh uh, 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 Can I just keep my game? team? No, you do not get to keep Starfield <laughs> because Starfield will glu- slip to 2024. You're, you're a curse. Can I just keep my whole team? <laughs> Are you cool with that? Pretty close. Because <laughs> it really is at this point almost my entire team has been delayed into 2023. It's over, by the way. Congratulations, Matt. You have won this year's Fantasy League. I have no chance. Um, but Square Enix has delayed Forsaken into just January... Forspoken, I'm sorry. Into just January is now it's, coming. It is Forsaken. It, it, is, it is. It forsaken is Forsaken to Q1. Yeah, it is coming January 23rd. 23 days. Do do you buy that? No, I think like it'll it, be delayed again. Yeah, I think it'll March just or slip to like March. Yeah, I don't think it'll leave Q1, but I think it'll slip a bit more. Yeah, I think it might end up in its original February release date, <laughs> just like next a year. year later. Yeah, it's crazy though. Square Enix, if it really is bailing on the Western market. <laughs> It's like, this was the only game left that it had in development that was really made for the West, so to speak, and it just keeps yeah. getting delayed. I will say that Final Fantasy sixteen looks more and more like it might be more global-friendly. Yeah. Um, just because they're not, you know, they, they're using a British localization yeah. thing, they're, they're using different actors. They're, That's it's, true. That I'm hoping that turns out to be, le- you know, because part of the thing is, like, you get the usual anime dub team, you're going to get that style. Like, I've even asked someone who was a like a voice director for anime dubs like why are they all like so embarrassing like why, why are they like that and she basically said like because that's what the fan base expects 
Like, that's what anime dubs are supposed to be, is, like, they're supposed to be kind of bad. Yeah. Like, if you do it too good, and they've done that before in certain projects, like, we did it too good and everyone complained. <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> but uh, Forspoken, as you're seeing right now, is kind of an open-world action RPG where this girl gets transported to this magical world. A girl from Brooklyn, by the way. Yeah. Gets transported am, to this magical world where she has a bracelet that talks to her. I am I'm continually, I mean, you know, in terms of related to what we talked about last week, I am continually reminded of Infamous with this game. A little bit, like yeah. There's, a, there's some Infamous in I this, can I see what, where that, that yeah. comparison could be made. Because the combat, it looks okay, but it also looks maybe a little bit yeah. it's janky. Really, it's really when, when she's doing the, the little projectile thing, she holds her hand out the same way Cole did. You're right, yeah. Like, that's what keeps making me think of it. Yeah. Well, we just hit level four of the hype train already, and we're just getting started. Thanks, guys. That's awesome. In fact, I totally forgot to thank people for Twitch Prime. Let's see if I can do that really quickly here. Um, Talica81, thank you. Minority Games, thanks for the bits. Who else did we get in here with Twitch Prime before we got started? Uh, Nexus6, Batty, thank you for Twitch Prime. Brit 2000 thank you for Twitch Prime. Ian Esquire, thank you for the bits that contributed towards the hype train. Ian Esquire, thank you. Jult31, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Toast9. Johnny Hurricane, how you doing, Johnny? Hope you're doing good, man. Haven't talked to you for a while. Uh, Minority Games, thank you for subscribing. There's a lot. Liberal Hack, thank you for Twitch Prime. Rigor Mortis UK, thank you. Not Cirque. So many today. People are complaining the volume is too low. Commander Fett, what, we're too low? Yeah. It's the same that setting that quiet. this show is at every time. <laughs> it, I did not even touch the yeah, mixing board. I, I can see that. Yeah, it's the same every time. I was trying to lean away from the microphone because I'm too loud all the time. <laughs> no, I don't know what the problem is. It's the same as it always is. Uh, so anyway, thank you guys for all the people who uh, hooked us up with Twitch Prime. Um, personally, I'm not all that upset that Forspoken is delayed. I wasn't, I'm excited for it and I want to check it out, but I'm not like devastated. Other than the fact that it's now one of like 20 games that have been delayed mm. out of the year. And there's just, what's left? Hope you like Pokemon. I mean, it's really getting down to like Saints Row and Pokemon and mm -hmm. a Call of Duty. Yeah. It's ugly. God of War. <laughs> Xenoblade comes out at God of War, which we're going to talk about in just mm -hmm. a second. Xenoblade comes out the last day of this month, basically. And maybe what's the, what was the thing that's supposed to be out? Oh, uh, Bayonetta. Callisto, Callisto Protocol maybe makes yep. it in December. That's true. And but again, I would not be surprised. No, absolutely would not be surprised. Well. <laughs> oh man, it's insane, man. Oh, Meloac, thank you for Twitch Prime as well. Um, uh, people are saying audio is fine, volume is good to me. Okay, mm. someone needs to turn up their speakers, I think. Because uh, literally, this mixing board sat still, and from last week, it's yeah. exactly the same. Mario as it was and Rabbids, yeah. Mario plus Rabbids, yeah. There's some stuff. It's just not like marquee stuff. Think about how great this year could have been. Well, it'll just be next year. <laughs> next year is going to blow people's doors off. Um, and I hope we're still around to talk about it. That's like the thing. It's like this year is the year we really needed all these big games to come out. Because, I mean, it's just the truth. Like, people are less excited to tune in to watch a video game podcast if there aren't big games coming out. It's mm -hmm. just facts. So would have been really nice in our time of need if the industry could have come through with a bunch of big releases. But it just has not played out that way. Um, so Forspoken is delayed coming now January 23rd, if it does end up even making that date. Mm -hmm. And then as Matt alluded to, God of War got a confirmation, an actual release date. People will finally leave Corey Barlog alone. 
God of War coming November 9th. What chance do you think of if there's any chance that it will be delayed? Zero. 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 You really this, think it's completely is, zero? Yeah, this is coming. I, I I I would still give it maybe a five percent chance. <laughs> I don't trust anything anymore, Matt. I really don't. I trust Corey Barlog. Yeah. I mean it's not really his call. Right. There's still a lot of work to be done, I'm guessing, although it should be I think they're, they're probably wrapping just polishing. Up. It's it's I'm yeah. sure it's mostly done. It's just it's really up to Sony's marketing at this point. Yeah. And uh, they released yeah, it's, it's this fine. trailer they're, here. They're unopposed at this point. Yeah, they you know? are. There's nothing they're gonna, not? It's going to sell like so much. Yeah. It's going to sell probably some PS5s too is my guess. But they gave us a tw- this 20 second trailer. Matt, why are they so stingy with media on this game? I don't know. I, it makes me wonder like if we've got like a Metal Gear Solid 2 situation. Where there's just some crazy, some crazy flip of the script on, that they yeah. just are like, we can't hint at anything. We yeah. can't show too much because people are smart. That's, that's what I think of. Hmm. That's what it makes me think of. I it's don't know. interesting. I'm not saying I'm right. Because just... we literally have like one real trailer <laughs> and two like teasers. Yeah. And that's it. And this game's coming out Maybe now. Maybe Kratos and... dies way earlier than we think. Oh, Lord. Oh, man. What, what do you mean? Wait, you think Kratos is going to die in this? Absolutely. Really? I think this is, you hand the torch off to... Uh, you think this is a swan song for yeah, Kratos? I think this is it. Ooh. Man, I just, so we, I just did. Where else do you go with the sad dad? <laughs> I, I understand that's, that's that. That's what Sony does. They kill the dad in the second game. That's Last of Us did it. They're going to do it. <laughs> that's That would be crazy. So I just did an episode of Ask Shane Anything where we're talking about like, somehow I got to E3 reveals. And so I ran like a montage of big E3 reveals. I revealed the, I did the Twilight Princess one where people lost their minds over realistic Zelda. And then I ran God of War 2018 when it was shown for the first time and how people freaked out about that. Like if they kill Kratos, Mm -hmm. like (laughs) people are saying like he can't die because they got to explore the mythologies. They hand it off to Atreus, who is the trickster. Yeah. The trickster in all mythology. So he goes around causing chaos. That's the next game is you're going to play as Atreus going around wrecking people's shit. That would be brutal. For, for killing his dad. People will lose their minds. He's going to do like a gore thing from like <laughs> Thor. He's like, all gods must die because they they, yeah, they they ruined my life. People will lose their minds if they kill yeah. off Kratos. Now, but- to be fair... Kratos can come back a lot of different ways. Right. I mean, you know, he got what cut in half and got a war right. three. And like, <laughs> That's a good point. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think I thought he's been dead at least twice already. I think he thought he's been dead a couple yeah. of times. Um, but he clearly doesn't like being alive. Yeah. So, so like, he'd really be getting what <laughs> he wants. He I mean, a character back? must want something, and at the end of the story, either get it or not get it. And he didn't get that at the end of the last story. I feel like at a certain point, you got to give Kratos what he wants. Yeah. Which is death. He does want death. Yeah. It's bizarre. But he keeps fighting, like he's that's, fighting for he, his life. Because he's the god of war. It's all he knows how to do. <laughs> it's bizarre. Like, that's why Atreus yeah. is so important, because it's the one little brief sliver of his life where he wasn't that. Yeah. That's why it's important. Yep. So, release date confirmed. There's shit going on here. There's, 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 some, there's some stuff they got to do here. Yeah, it's true. It's up to us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, date confirmed. November 9th coming to PS4 and PS5. Again, don't forget, this is one of those games that's still dragging its foot in last gen. Um, this game is going to sell way, I think, way better than the first, than 2018 did, mm-hmm. because there's just no competition for it. Yeah, as long as it's as good or better than the first one. Yeah, yeah. which I would be surprised if it's not at least as yeah. good. The uh, where the one thing a lot of people are questioning, like, can't is God of War going to if is is it going to be good enough to beat Elden Ring in the in the Game of the Year uh, competitions? Mm-hmm. And I gotta say that's a hard thing to call because people are like, well, it's like you know, Elden Ring is a big darling and everybody loves Elden Ring. Um, 
you know, and but like, and people are saying like, oh, everybody thought Red Dead Redemption Two was going to be the the game of the year, and then God of War came out. Mm-hmm. The first one came out in 2018, and it won all of them because it blew everybody out the back of the theater. I don't think that's a super great comparison because Red Dead Redemption is an example of production value covering up the fact that the game kind of sucks, mm-hmm. whereas Elden Ring is all game. The thing We're actually going to talk about that other game you're discussing yeah. next. <laughs> the, the, the thing I have, the thing I wonder about, is um, uh. Yeah, I, that's a hard comparison to make. The question becomes like, can you overcome the hype of Elden Ring? Because here, just to me, I don't think Elden Ring's as good as the first God of War. Uh-huh. So if you oh, just make something that. as Obviously, good as I'm God, going to I mean, I love that. Elden Ring. You know, I love Elden Ring, yeah. but I don't. I think the original God, you know, twenty eighteen God of War is a better game for me. Mm-hmm. And um, the and so if you make something as good or better than the first God of War, I think you, for, in my book, you probably have a pretty damn good shot. But I wonder if you know the press will be able to see through the Elden Ring. You know, or if the press will be able to, like, you know what, if we don't give it to Elden Ring, we're going to get death threats for the next year, so why don't we just give it to Elden Ring? Um, that's also I would a hope factor. that that would not be the case, that that kind of pressure would not come into play, but I, I mean, understand this, why you might think that point, could happen. At this point, who fucking cares? Yeah. Right? Who, well, people do care. Oh, people do care, but it's like, I mean, if you, if, if you just give it to the, you know, like, do you see the Game Awards? I mean, given, why, you're saying, like, why would you care? Yeah. Just why give it go to, to the mat on that and 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 deal with all that bullshit when you just give it to the stupid other stupid game and call it a day and never hear about it again? You know, like what's yeah. the fucking point? Yeah. Well, I mean, why I think, have the fight? I think editorially, you just want to get it right. At least sure. that's my perspective. Um, so, you know, I would never give in to the mob like that. I understand what you're saying, but also why other well, outlets what, might. But I don't see. I don't think, see this giving in to the mob is more like kind of you know cutting the baby in half. It's like. Because, look, I could see an argument for Elden Ring being Yeah, yeah. Here. Like, Absolutely. I would never say, like, it's not like I want crazy to, if you think yeah, that. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. like I'm saying, like, well, you got to give Game of the Year to, uh, I don't know. What are the bad games? Ba- Babylon's ba- Fall. Babylon's Fall. Because <laughs> yeah. Babylon's Fall, for some reason, has really been embraced by people who own, like, assault rifles. and. Well, I'll say this, ultimately. It I hasn't. Am- no one embraced Babylon's Fall. No one, no one liked that. I am glad that on, on some level, I do not have to now blame Babylon's fall for my fantasy loss this year. Oh, yeah. That, that looks like a really minor problem now, doesn't it? It was going to be the scapegoat, but not anymore. <laughs> it doesn't work. Um, I, I would just, you know, as my editorial team, I would allow them to pick the real winner. If I suspected that there was any of that, like, well, if like anyone brought up in the meeting, well, I don't want to get like harassed on Twitter for the that, that I would be really pissed off if one of my editorial mm-hmm. people brought that up in a discussion i totally understand your perspective though because you're right like if you do not give elden ring game of the year this year you're gonna get it yep it's just the truth <laughs> get get it with a g-i-t yeah a, you're gonna, gonna g-i-t it. it yeah you're, <laughs> you're gonna, gonna get, get it. it um so i understand you're not gonna get good you're gonna get it yeah exactly so. i can understand why that might creep into someone's mind um i think it's the job of eic's and executive editors to make sure that that does not come into play when you're selecting the winner We'll see how it goes. Oh, yeah. But I will say that if that is something that EIC decides to take a hard line on, like, you better be ready to protect your people. Mm-hmm. Because it shit's real out there now. But you can't protect them. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. I mean, you can try to stand up for them on social yeah, media, but then it, you, you, can <laughs> you also, just you can also More, I'm talking about you can listen if they come sure. to you and they're like, Wait, there's a real problem here. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Totally get that. Um, so anyway, it looks like God of War confirmed for November 9th. So in this year of delays, at least it appears that we're going to get another gem that mm-hmm. we thought we were going to get at the beginning of the year. We thought we were going to get last year because the original release date was 2021. I didn't think that. You didn't. I did. Um, 
And so it does look like we're going to get another kind of blockbuster game that we've all been waiting on for a really long time this year. At least I hope so. If they delayed that, I think it would just break my heart. (laughs) Well, Uh, you can always just play the new update of The Crew 2. That's true. (laughs) That's true. Or another game, Ubisoft game, we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, Next up, Red Dead Online is dead. Red Dead. (laughs) It's Red Dead. Um... Are you surprised by this at all? So, I guess just to let you know, like, Rockstar this week said Red Dead Online is basically getting no more updates because it claims that it needs to work on GTA Online and Grand Theft Auto 6. Does that add up to you, Matt? I mean, I guess as a business decision, yes, but it's just kind of a shame. Does it add up as a business decision? Yeah, because you're going to make more money from GTA 6. You will, but do you think they do not have the resources to do... Both of those things? Um, pro- apparently not. <laughs> if they want to all hands on deck GTA 6, so it's done maybe a year sooner than it would otherwise be. I mean, there's a point at which it doesn't matter how much many bodies you throw at something. It's going to take how long it takes. Well, the business decision, there is. you're right. There is an angle to it a bit of a business decision. Like I'm sad that that Red Dead gonna... Online sucks. Yeah, well, I'm also no sad that they're not going to do, they're not gonna do uh, the uh, next-gen update for Red Dead 2. Yeah. You know, that was that was apparently in the cards at some point. And a, a 60... GTA 4 next-gen yeah. update, too. Like a 60 FPS update for this, and mm-hmm. that, so that's not going to happen. That's a shame. That is a shame. Like that, that I wouldn't be surprised nice if they see. come back to that someday, though. Maybe, but like for now, it seems to be everybody get GTA 6 going because mm-hmm. we need that next, um, whatever next means in this context. Yeah. Somewhere in there, that Bully 2 uh, right. project is happening. Uh, who and if knows? you talk to Pactor, there's still like a, a racing game coming from Rockstar. Right, that Midnight way. Club revival thing he keeps talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, forever he's been talking about it. It's never happened. Um, I just think that Red Dead Online just tanked. I mean, I, I don't think it tanked so much as it just didn't do as well as uh, GTA Online. GTA Online. Yeah, like they, it, you, you either, that's the bar. You either match the king or you go home. Yeah. That seems to be the rule here. Um, and I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I haven't heard much about Red Dead Online in a while. I know it was still updating here and there, but yeah. it, just, it just wasn't part of the conversation. It sort of tapered off. It Meanwhile, totally, you, know, you still see GTA Online videos posted yeah. and tweets. And so, you know, Red Dead Online just disappeared into the yeah. ether. And I liked it. I thought it was fun. You like, liked Red Dead Online? I liked it okay. I like, hated once, it. Once they updated enough, <laughs> I hated it. Once they updated enough that I could just wander around and not see anybody and like do my own little quests. Now and that stuff, I liked that. That's fine. But that was not how it was when it no, launched. No, it wasn't. It, it was wasn't. just people riding around looking to, for people to kill. No, that stopped. That was that was. Everybody was kind of running around doing their own thing when I played it. Like I'll play it much later, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like I would load it up when a new update came out or whatever and poke around. I would play it for a few days and you know it was fun. Like you know. It was a, it was a nice way to explore the map and the world without having to sort of deal with the story, yeah, and things like that of, of the of the you know of the campaign. They made and a like, huge mistake. It was cool. But like, I understand PDP why it didn't catch. On, it, I wonder, I understand why it didn't catch fire the way GTA Online did. Yeah, I, it turned me off. I get. I went and started playing after I went through all because the, the tutorial for this lasts for like ever. Oh, it goes on and on. And it on. goes on and on. And I made it through that, and I finally get out into the actual game, and I'm just getting murdered every ten seconds. Like it was a horrible decision. For the first three months to let people do that, it just tur- turned me off. I'm like, wait a minute, like yeah. Once they, they added in the like the peaceful mode or the right. the, the neutral it was too mode, late. it became a lot easier to deal with. Yeah, but it was too late. They had lost more than half of the audience that may have played it at that point, and a lot of people just went back to GTA Online. So you're right. In a certain at a certain angle, it is about finances. <laughs> it just wasn't generating the revenue that GTA Online was. Mm-hmm. And I think there is an argument to be made that maybe. 
um, you know, almost any other company would have been happy with the revenue this probably was bringing in. Yeah, you know, but you know, GTA Online creates certain standards. Internally. Rockstar's a different beast. Yeah, to be sure. And you know, 2K is pretty mercenary in general. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, so looks like that's the end of the line for Red Dead Redemption Two. Both as far as you know, it, what really sucks to me, Matt, is that they refused to do single player DLC for this for mm-hmm. Red Dead Online because they followed the template from GTA Five. Right. And as it turns out, Red Dead Online sucked, at least in my opinion, and we never got the single player DLC. And now they're cutting Red Dead Online short early, mm-hmm. much earlier than GTA Online. So this is one of those cases where. I feel like in the end, the decision to create a quote unquote ongoing game or a game as a service failed. It mm. failed Rockstar and it failed people who bought Red Dead Redemption 2. I mean, it failed to the degree of that I guess Rockstar wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it did last like five years. Has it been five years since Red Dead well, 2 came out, came out? This came out 2018. So that's a, yeah. when, did, when did they launch online? Because it didn't launch with online. Yeah, so it's been like three, three, three and, and, and a half, half years. years. Yeah, I mean, they didn't bail that early, I guess, when you look at it that way. But we're just used to the bar being GTA Online, and in that regard, it felt miserable. Yeah, but you can't judge anything by the winner, yeah. by the top dog. I yeah. mean, that's not a realistic expectation. Even... Rock for Rockstar is not realistic. No. Which and, is pretty crazy to think about. Which does about. seem to be their expectation, but like that doesn't mean we got to fall into the same trap. Yeah. Um, it's fine. I, I enjoyed what I played of it. It never really hooked me tremendously. Um, I can still go back and play this the single-player game, I guess. Um, at least there's no real interaction there, so I'm not missing anything. Yeah. But uh, Lots of discussion in the chat about Red Dead 2. Um, Barry Lomax says, It's good, but it was boring after like 80 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was boring to me after less than that. But um, I mean, I'll tell you, man, every time, that's I pretty lo- good, man. <laughs> every time I would load this game up, um, online or offline, it would take me like 20 minutes to remember how all the stupid controls worked, how all the weird yeah. ways they decided uh-huh. to make you do all the things worked, and how like you know, you're fighting the animation constantly. And it's like, I didn't like this game very much in terms of just the moment-to-moment playing it. I mean, it, let's be honest. It was kind of boring. Yeah. It was extremely realistic. Gorgeous. And, like, sometimes, and gorgeous. And sometimes it blew your mind with the stuff that happened. But mm-hmm. a lot of the time... It was kind of boring. Yeah. And I will say, like, I think I've, I've mentioned this before. You need some dead space. You need some boring parts to make the exciting parts stand out by contrast. But I think this game may lean a little too far in the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, that said, sometimes I will just load it up to ride around in, you know, the Western environment and uh, marvel at how good that thing looks even without a next-gen update. Like, it's... They did they did an amazing job here. Um they pulled some stuff out of those last-gen systems that really feels mm-hmm. like it shouldn't have been possible. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mellowax says, I'm still playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I adore that game. Yeah. So there's some people who are still and playing And the other it. thing is, like, there's nothing else like it. Like, the, like the Western setting is extremely underused in games. Uh, Mellowax says it sold 33 million copies. Is that true? That sounds about right. Really? Yeah. I remember seeing a 30, 30 million figure wow wow i had not seen that at all it i didn't sold think it very sold, very well. i didn't think it sold anywhere near that yeah it sold very i mean didn't nothing sells gta 5 i thought the last time i saw it was at 18 no i remember seeing a 30 million miles i gotta look point. now it's gonna bug the crap out of me or maybe someone in chat can look it up but that's surprising to me i thought it like got around 15 or 16 and then was like grinding to get to the 18 but, i think maybe it did in its initial like full price level but i think it you could get that for much cheaper later on kevin rafa says i thought red dead 2 was too realistic 
Which could lead, honestly, kind of leads to the boredom a lot of times. Yeah, and like there's an element of that to like I can definitely see phrasing that in the way that it's like yeah, like the way you have to like let him animate through everything, uh-huh. and like have you have to watch him bend down to pick everything up and all like that. Yeah, like that. Too realistic is a way to describe that. I would I would agree with that to, to in that sense. And our friend Rob Manuel says that this has taught Rockstar to never create another game as a service. Do you believe that? Mm, that's an interesting take. Um, maybe. Mm. Um, I don't know if he knows for sure on that or not. Yeah, but, I think uh, he's just pontificating. Yeah. I mean, there is it's there is an element of like if you think success is GTA Online, why don't even try? Why bother? Because you're never going to match that. Yeah. But I that's mean, sort of ludicrous to think. I mean, that from way, the though. very let's be honest. at the very least, like the theme was never going to reach that many people. Mm-hmm. Like GTA's theme is just more universal. Oh yeah, it's it's rooted in pop culture. Yeah. Versus rooted in like a hundred years ago. Western. Well yeah. also you know, also westerns are not really everyone's favorite thing. Yeah. Um Western movies are still considered a risk because they're you know, it's just not a it's not a setting that you see all that much these days. Oh, uh man or, or Rob Manuel saying that was sarcasm. So use a sarcasm to mm. slash S when you're being sarcastic in chat. It'll help us uh when we're talking about stuff on the show. Jose Holiday says forty-four million as of May twenty twenty-two. Mm. I'm gonna have to talk to Pactor about that. He he gets the MPD report. I'll see if that's accurate or not. Sometimes he'll give me. He's not supposed to, but mm. sometimes he'll give me numbers, or he'll just like either shake his head no or nod. <laughs> the other thing about Rockstar Games and Service stuff is like I can't imagine what other things they would do. That I'm mean, bully online feels right. like it would be a little sketchy. Midnight Club obviously would work. Yeah, Midnight in some Club way. sure, but like. But yeah, bully doesn't really work. Big online ping pong league. <laughs> or you just like fight fist fighting people in the bathroom after school. I don't yeah, know. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it would work. What was the... Uh, but a lot of their IP... Manhunt online. Yeah. <laughs> you think that'll ever come back, Manhunt? Nah, I don't, I don't either. I, don't think, I think that so. one's done. Yeah. The second one I don't think sold all that well either, honestly. Um, I forgot there was a second one until you said that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so anyway... There you go. That's the game potpourri from the week. Several topics that weren't big enough to have their own topics, but I thought I would corral them all into one. Um, corral, very, I guess it ended very up being, thematic. Exactly, right right in line with Red Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a revival of the Big Six a little bit. I don't know if you guys remember, but years ago on Game Face, we would start every episode with the Big Six, which would be six topics that weren't big enough to have their own topic, and we'd just go through them. It became impossible to find six every week, and we so we eventually dropped it. Uh, but here's a little revival of that classic segment uh, for those of you who are OG sifters who remember the early days of the show. Uh, okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about that Ubisoft game that I hinted at a couple minutes ago. Um, Skull and Bones, Matt. Mm-hmm. It's real. It will not die. It exists. Its flag means death. And it's coming. Mm-hmm. And it's coming real soon. It's the crazy part. Um are you surprised that we're we're actually going to get Skull and Bones? I always figured they would eventually like squeeze something out uh, under that title, but I am surprised at how soon it seems to be happening. Yeah, it's um, coming out on November eighth on the same day as God of War Ragnarok. Day oh, the day before? Isn't, isn't is God, God of War, War the ninth? I thought it was November 9th. It is ninth. You're right. Yeah. The day before God of War. That'll save you. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's not like they're in competition with it on the other platforms. So. Right. Yeah, I mean it's multi-platform, so yeah. it's going to do pretty well. I would think. Well, we'll see if it's. We'll, gonna we'll do see. I well. don't know. Yeah. Yep. I, I'll I'll give you a hint. Ubisoft. Our flag means death. Tie-in. 
Like <laughs> seriously, like I, like that's your that's your fucking gold gold goose right there. Yeah. Now, people like to say that this game has been delayed and it's been in development for a really long time. It hasn't been as long as at least I remembered. It was actually announced in 2017, so it's been five years. It's half a decade. It's not, it is that's, it's not nothing. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's not nothing. But I think a lot of people assume it's been eight, nine, ten years. No, since this, that's Beyond Good and Evil too. Right. <laughs> Actually, maybe it's longer than that. For well, that if, you, if you want to count that, like that CG sort of teaser thing that was supposed to be With like page. a page, was really more of an example of like the new engine or whatever. I think it, yeah. I don't think it was supposed to be about a game. It was supposed to be like using those characters to yeah do that. But yeah, that was 2008, as I recall. Yeah. So there you go. That's 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> this one, it's only been five. Um, but what Ubisoft had been messaging publicly was that what we saw, I think it was, was it E3 2018 or 2019 where they had like the huge section of its booth where people could play? That was 2019, I think. I think that was the last one. The last one. Um, but what Ubisoft has been saying since 2019, E3 2019, is that we've decided to go back and drastically rework the game and make a bunch of changes to it. But Matt, I'll be honest with you, what they just showed this week it's pretty much exactly what I played at E3 2019. Yeah, it doesn't seem... To, I mean, unless this stuff is really under the hood in the mechanics, like, I don't know what is particularly different. I can't tell anything that's different from what I played at E3 three, four years ago at this point. Um, the goal of the game is to try to become the world's most infamous pirate. You start out the game as a shipwreck survivor who washes up on the beach, and that begins your quest to become the captain of the high seas. It is a ship combat-focused online multiplayer game that's based on the same parts of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, except there's a focus on PvE more than PvP. Good. You actually have to manually turn on the PvP in this game. Good. It's not on by default. Good. Yeah. Um. So I like all of that. I think a lot of people are looking at this game and they're saying, okay, well, see if these is already out there. And so yeah, what So what value does this bring to the table? A well, lot. You, you can play it by yourself. Right. Like, well, one, you can play it by yourself. But two, it's way more involved than mm. Sea of Thieves is. Yeah, Sea of Thieves, I mean, I know they've added a lot of stuff. and it's But like, still, it's all very party gamey. Mm-hmm. You know what it's I mean? It's very simple. Yeah. Um, and you, and it you're right. It feels like if the Jackbox included a pirate game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, now, I mean, it's gorgeous. The water's great. Da, da, da. But like every time I've gone back to try Sea of Thieves again, I'm just like, oh, this feels really shallow. Yeah. Now, to be fair, you can actually sail ships on your own in Sea of Thieves. Oh, yeah. Especially you with have, that captain update. It's multitasking. Yeah, but also the captain update thing is going to let you yeah. like solo more of it, which I might go back and try. But I feel like this being, you know, I, I've played Black Flag and Rogue, and I think... That's a good system for a, sing- a single-player ship control thing. And it's way more in-depth. Yeah. And the combat's way better. Like, the, the crew recruitment stuff, way better. And I just, I mean, it's not like the graphics are stunning here, but at least they don't, they look like people. Yeah, they're not a cartoon. I'm not a huge fan of the cartoon. Now, there is one huge difference between Sea of Thieves and Skull and Bones, and that is Sea of Thieves. You land places, and then you go on to land and fight. Mm-hmm. This game is not like that at all. You all the combat and all the action in this game takes place in the ship, out on the seas. Good. Um, the most annoying part of Black Flag is when they make you get off the boat. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if a lot of people would agree with you on that. I but, think a lot. I've seen a lot of people agree with me on yeah. that. Like people are just like let me let me be on the ship. And I like why, both and, parts of Black Flag, and that's I got real tired of the on foot stuff because because really? a lot of on Black Flag is just following and eavesdropping with people. Yeah, like, those, those are annoying. You're sneaking through bushes on plantations, and I don't want to do. That. Rogue uh, learned from that, and like I would say, Black Flag's like maybe fifty fifty 
um, ship and on foot, and I think Rogue is more like seventy-five twenty-five in favor of ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I Rogue is a great Assassin's Creed game. It is good. The, like if you if you haven't played kind the of a hidden gem version, in the franchise. Yeah, if you haven't played the remastered Rogue, go go try that. If you haven't played Rogue at all, it's really good, and it's actually a really interesting main character being you know uh, someone who betrays the assassins, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's it it gets the closest to, to an interesting twist on the. On the format back in the day, and in, in the pre-ancient trilogy stuff, as I think they ever got. Yeah. Now there are islands in Skull and Bones, but when you go to them, they're just basically a hub. You get off mm-hmm. the ship and you can free roam around in that small kind of town area. But when you go and there, there will be sea shanties. But yeah, but it basically they're just a respawn point. Um, you can purchase supplies. You can get ship repair kits. You can buy ammo for your ship. You can buy food to keep the crew morale high. They're just towns. They're just like yeah. towns in an RPG. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what they are. Um, and then also from there, you can select missions and prepare for the missions because each mission requires uh, certain things. I and like that everybody's even still got the fucking shoulder capes from Assassin's Creed. Like, they're still yeah. walking around with the... Yeah. I mean, I wonder if it will acknowledge Assassin's Creed in any way. I don't know how you would. Mm-hmm. Unless, like, I guess... Because it seems like... I'm sure this does not take place in the Animus. It would be kind of neat if, like, one of the side quests ends up, like, referencing or if you find, like, an Apple of Eden. Yeah. Or, like, you, you get a, like, I, one, guess, I bet there's some kind of One of the caves out there somewhere is going to have the Forerunner some... tech in it or yeah. something. You know, that. you know that's in there. Yeah. Or just, like, a symbol scribbled on a wall. Or I think there'll be some kind of an Easter egg. Yeah. And you may ask, like, if you don't go on land and fight people like in a normal Assassin's Creed game, how do you get, like, all the resources? Because that's still a big part of this game, crafting and everything. And that actually kind of happens automatically... Um, you get ore, wildlife, and wood and stuff like that automatically while you're out on the water by interacting with what Ubisoft calls resource nodes. Mm. So there's these things that you kind of sail up to, interact with them, and they give you your stuff that you then use for the yeah. crafting. They had stuff like that in Rogue. Yeah. Um, it wasn't like the main way you got stuff, mm-hmm. but you could. Do, yeah, there were stuff like that. There was like fishing spots. And that's things. right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Uh, the basic gameplay loop is you pick a quest at one of the bases or the towns, as we had just talked about. Then you prepare your ship specifically for the mission. So they give you a mission rundown, let you know kind of what armaments you're going to need, how long the trip is going to be, so you know how much food you're going to need on the ship to make sure that there's no mutiny from the crew or anything like that. Bring oranges. Yep, <laughs> yep. And then you can invite friends if you want before you get on your mission. So this is cooperative. Like you can go mm-hmm. on these with other people online. You can go on these missions and complete stuff. And then you, once you have your crew together, you head out to sea, complete the mission, and then you return with the loot. Um, progression in the game is measured in notoriety, and as your as your I like, like Delfino one and I is like saying like you know they wanted bigger boats than the Black Flag because they feel kind of small. Ships are tiny, yeah, like old like the old like you know the age of sails like those are tiny. They're not tiny big ships. ships. Like go see some of those old preserved ones. Like they they're like not even as big as like your average house, and they got like forty guys on them. It's ridiculous. Could you imagine building any sized ship? Back then, with the tools and the technology mm-hmm. that you had available, there's a reason like experienced shipwrights were some of the most valuable people in, they in, were. in the kingdom. And also back then, another thing I would add is that they were incapable. And even today, honestly, building—if you were to build a ship out of wood—you can only build it so long before right the physics make it impossible. Mm-hmm. Because eventually, the boat will bow and it will end up breaking yeah. and tearing, like. They've done a lot of uh, studies on Noah's Ark. And they're like, how... It's basically impossible to build a Noah's mm-hmm. Ark. Even today. 
Yeah, it would, it would snap. It would snap yeah. in half because it'd have to be so long. If it was this, well, if it was the size that that is dictated, right? Yeah. So it's which in, which is partly dictated because it's it's myth and it's like oh right. it was it was this crazy big boat but like who's gonna go build the big boat? Yeah, it's like the shield helicarrier. No one's gonna try to make that. Right. You don't. You, there's no way to prove that that wouldn't work for most people because they wouldn't try to build and fly a shield <laughs> helicarrier, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, there was some guy who built, who tried to build a replica of Noah's Ark. Oh, yeah, I saw that. But in, like, Tennessee. Yeah, well, you're not going to sail it too many places in Tennessee, well, are well, you? Well, originally, he had wanted to build, like, a ship that they could actually put in the water to prove right. that Noah's Ark could be real. And as he started building it, he realized that, that it was impossible. Yep. And so now it's just basically an amusement park where people mm-hmm. can go and visit this fake Noah's Ark in the middle of nowhere. Um, well, let's talk about things that really happened. <laughs> The age of piracy. But we're explaining why um, the ships in this game are short. Yeah, because that's what the, those ships are shockingly small. Yeah, but for then they were shockingly oh, yeah, gigantic. They, they were, you know, yeah, they were, <laughs> the, the dreadnoughts were amazing at the time. But now you're like, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the ships you go out on cruises, like Disney cruises, on are way bigger than the Titanic. Yeah, you know, like oh yeah, ships ships now are, gig- are gigantic in a way that like people back then would have just been like, like the fact you can see a guy mm-hmm. like on the mast. Yeah, it's like like you do like you wouldn't be able to see the bottom of the ship if you did that on a modern yeah, ship. It's true. You've yep. got you've got ships that carry other ships. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, or lots of containers. Yeah. Um. So notoriety is how you level up, and then as you level up, it unlocks more challenging jobs, new ship types that you can purchase, and new blueprints for crafting. And you're kind of seeing like and some of the blueprint stuff new here. New paint jobs because some of these things are crazy. They are. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing oceans full of people's ridiculous paint jobs. Yeah, some of the some of these look pretty great, pretty nuts. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned That's earlier, fun. you have to turn on the PvP. It's mm-hmm. it's off by default. Um, so you can just kind of play the game single player if you want to by default. But if you do turn on the PvP and you choose to engage ships, you can. When you're fighting AI ships, you can choose whether or not you want to engage them. So it's kind of like an RPG without random encounters. Like, you can see the ships mm-hmm. out there. If you don't go after them and engage, they're not going to come after you and attack you. Um, I would imagine there will be some that will. If you're Boss like, ships, I'm guessing. Boss ships are like, I'm sure if you have enough reputation with one faction or another. Like, like if, you're, if you're friendly with Spain, I bet England will come after you or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Well, they set up also the combat in a way that you get rewarded for you get rightfully rewarded for what you actually do so if you're a big ship and you go out on the seas and you start attacking all these little ships you get very little from defeating the little ships you get like hardly any xp and it actually could hurt your notoriety in some in some cases if you lose to a smaller ship than yours your notoriety gets destroyed um if you're a small ship and you somehow defeat a larger ship you get gobs of notoriety mm-hmm. so i think that's a smart way to keep big ships from picking on the little guys all the time because that also happens in sea of thieves like yeah. if you're out there but, and you're but remember for some people the reward is just being a dick you're right so. yeah that's all the reward that they need is just knowing but that that's why it's important that you can turn it on and off yep yep just knowing that they've ruined someone else's good time is enough for some people sadly um a plunder bar slowly fills over time as you fight which rewards you with better treasure um you can also plunder beached shipwrecks for mid-mission commodities and repair kits. So if you're in the middle of a mission and you're out of food or you're out of repair kits for your boat, you can sail close to the shore and find these shipwrecks that you can plunder and get resources from. Matt, was that in one of the Assassin's Creed games already? I thought for sure it was. Um, Do you remember anything like that? What? 
the... being able to plunder shipwrecks. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, I yeah. thought so. Like there was like some of them you had to dive for, and some yeah. of them you just come across and you could pick them up. And of course, you could also plunder the ships you sank. Right, that was a good way to get health back during the middle of a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can do that in this game just like you could in the Assassin's Creed games. Um, combat includes health bars, directional attack arrows, area of effect markers, enemy weak spots on the ships. Um, and there's a yellow boundary marker that denotes how far you can travel before an encounter is ended. In other words, all the stuff that Sea of Thieves is missing in combat, this game has it in then some. Mm-hmm. So in general, you know, again, to going back to what we brought up when we first started talking about this game, you know, people are like, oh, I already have Sea of Thieves. I don't need this. They are really entirely different games. Yeah. In tone, in, it's, the only thing that's the same is that you play as a pirate in both of them. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Kind of like Starfield on No Man's Sky. A little bit, yeah. Very different takes <laughs> on the same idea. Yeah, very very much so. So in the end, do you view Sea of Thieves as a competitor? I don't think they view themselves as a competitor. Yeah, I mean, but like, they don't matter. They're going to no, say that. The they don't... Sea of Thieves is like, I don't know, Sea of Thieves is ancient and Game Pass. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's just, it's not the same But I think thing. you wonder if because you can get it free on Game Pass if people are going to plunk down money for this then. I mean, 70 bucks for this is for any Ubisoft game at this point is probably a, a tall order, but I don't think that's anything to do with Sea of Thieves. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's Ubisoft's getting in their own way in that yeah. regard. Um, I mean, I'm interested. Although, frankly, right now, I'm probably more likely to just go play Assassin's Creed Rogue right now. <laughs> um, I'm excited for this game because it's another big game to play and talk about on yeah, this something. show. Well, also, like, the other the other sad thing is, like, uh, yeah, I'm interested, but, like, it's a day before God of War. It is. Like, it's God gonna of War is going to go launch. I'm going to get to you in a couple weeks, I guess. Well, think about that week for us. We're gonna we're gonna have to juggle between these two games. There are also rumors that there that Elden Ring might have some DLC coming around. Oh there. really? Oh lord, that's good. We need that's a good problem to have in 2022. Let me tell you. Um, Look at that lunatic in the red, white, and blue uh, blue ship there. I like that. I want to see more <laughs> of that. It's hard to say that I'm like more excited for this game now that it's reemerged because again, as I said earlier, it's exactly what I saw. Mm-hmm. Like, three years ago. I have no idea. I feel like Ubisoft may have internally canceled this game. Uh, that would match some things I'd heard over the course of the time. And kind of they realized, oh my gosh, we have a 12-month period with very little we games to something. release. We gotta do something. How I don't think, it was, I don't it think it was that short-term, but I do think there was a point where it was like, well, we need more stuff on the schedule, and we don't know what to do, and Watch Dogs isn't doing... I, th- I think there was just a point where we're like, well, this thing's pretty much along the way. Let's just finish mm-hmm. it. Um, and I think a similar thing happened with uh, uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, mm. which I know was not being worked on for a while. Yeah. But now seems to be back in yeah. some form. You may be right. Now, no Assassin's Creed this year. Does this fill the void for people who are big Creed fans? We'll see. I'm I mean, wondering if a Creed I mean, fans finally... are fans of this or if they're fans of Assassin's oh, Creed. Oh, I, th- I think people are fans of like the historical aspect. So yeah. like, at the very least, it'll be of interest. I don't know if it'll yeah. be appealing to all everyone because some people probably want to sneak up and stab somebody. But like, yeah. I, I think this is sort of, you know look here's a historically based game with one of the most you know most well loved gameplay aspects of the Assassin's Creed franchise. Yep. Uh, with no animus stuff. Yeah. Like that's what a lot of people have been begging for. So I think uh, it, it, it's a it's a solid idea. I just don't know if, you know, has it been too long? Is it not a thing anyone cares about? Are people going to be like, oh, wait, you can't fight on the ships? Like, right. that's weird. Like, 
You know, like there is an element of like that was fun in the Assassin's Creeds where like, you know, I like doing the ship combat, but I also like swinging over onto the other ship and stabbing Once the other captain. Once you disable the ship yeah. going in and finishing off the crew. Yeah. Like this is, you know, just being pure ship to ship stuff is a little, maybe might feel a little sterile. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Or limited. Yeah. But we'll see. Also, like I, if it's successful, I have a very hard time believing they would not add some on foot combat oh, really? stuff later on. Like feels like you could probably do it. Because it looks like it's just using... You know, Assassin's Creed. Oh, it's definitely the same engine. Yeah, I think you you could throw that in later if it became in demand. That seems like it would be a lot of work. To me, they would probably just try to get the new Assassin's Creed done more quickly than trying to staple something like that onto this game. But I do not... It depends how successful this is. I mean, they do, you know, they do support these things. You know, For Honor's still going. It is, yeah. They support stuff for a long time. Yeah, I mean, look at Rainbow Six Siege. It's not Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. Um, Ubisoft does support games for a really long time, unless they're free to play. Yeah. And that seems to be where Ubisoft will draw the line. Um, I do not su- expect this game to sell as well as a typical Assassin's Creed. No, I would be surprised. Yeah. That. This I, is, I think this it'll is, probably sell half. This is not a 10 million seller. No, I wouldn't this think, is five if, they, if it does real well. <laughs> like, if it, it sells five, I think Ubisoft will be over the moon. Mm-hmm. For something that I really thought that had been canceled, yeah. well, especially because it feels like something. It feels like it's here because otherwise they don't have anything on the schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Because um, you know, for a while, a couple certainly during the tail end of twenty twenty, like everyone was like, after Valhalla came out. I remember a couple of Ubisoft people I knew who aren't there anymore, but they're like, they're like, nobody has any idea what we're doing next. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's like no, like there's no plan, there's no schedule. Like everyone, they don't know what to make, and it's just like that's bizarre. Like, you know. They, they they sort of hit this point where they didn't know where to go and like that's you know so now you got no Assassin's Creed for a year and you know like Valhalla is you know being propped up like a like a dried corpse in yeah. a sideshow at this point like it's, they have it's milked weird. it for all it's worth yeah for more than it's worth in my opinion yeah I'm I'm yeah I, I liked Valhalla but I am definitely done I'm ready to move on yeah. absolutely looking, looking forward to uh, Infinite or Infinity or whatever the whatever it is for me thing is yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there you go. That's Skull and Bones. Again, it's coming out November eighth. It is for everything. Oh, well, not Switch. Bro. Is it? It is last gen. Yeah. So you can get PS4 and Xbox One versions of this, yeah. and no Switch and PC. Yeah. November eighth, just the day before God of War. I wish it luck. Really think they could have even just waited a week or two, or come out a week or two before that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it is awful what it is. brave, but. I mean, truth be told, they had made that plan, and I think literally the same day or the next day, God of War's release date was announced. So yeah, I don't think you, you, this, this was like two independent things yeah. happening at once. Uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you can't sit around waiting for everybody else to announce their release dates forever. Yeah, but I'm sure Ubisoft was like, "Oh man, uh, <laughs> really?" Well, release the day the thing. after. <laughs> Put out the trailer. God yeah. Yeah. So anyway, there you go. That's Skull and Bones. We haven't talked about that game probably since E3 2019. Oh, we've talked about it a couple of times. Have we? Just in the passing of Ubisoft, like where is it? Kind yeah. Of but not like a specific dedicated yeah. thing. Segment to it. So um, I will say Ubisoft, for whatever reason, it does tend to just keep its projects around. Um, wasn't there some kind of special deal it had with the government and something with this game? I thought there was. I mean, it's Canada, so probably there's some kind of you know tax break because of where it's developed. Or, you yeah. know, there's a lot of that stuff in Quebec, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm not okay. clear on any of that. I don't, I don't care. Yeah, me doesn't help me. Nope. <laughs> so, like, all I care about is if the game is good or not, and that's all you should care about too. Uh, all right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about Hideo Kojima. Kojima had a rough week this week, Matt. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> this is just insane. I never would have guessed. On my bingo card, I would never have had this. But this week, Hideo Kojima was basically, I guess the best way to sum it up was, he was trolled by 4chan. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> this is so terrible. So, some moron on 4chan, and 4chan's full of morons, so take your pick, um, decided that he was going to share that the person who killed the former prime minister of Japan, Abe, was Hideo Kojima. <laughs> and this idiot posted... But like, if... if it- that would be a really good twist in a Metal Gear game. It would be. Like, Kojima couldn't have written this. No. <laughs> it's too interesting. Yeah. So someone on 4chan posted on 4chan that, hey, the person who killed the former prime minister of Japan was the creator of Metal Gear Solid, Hideo Kojima. And he posted a couple photos that had like, you know, I think there was one that had Kojima with that that old, that Cuban leader. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? I can't remember. I can't remember his name either. I but, saw that, but yeah. But he basically found photos of Kojima wearing clothing or being around things that might lead someone to believe that the story could be true. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah, and in the wake of things like that, people will just latch onto whatever and run with it. No right. One, you know, no one checks anything. Well, most people do check stuff. Most, but people, some, do, most people do not. Well, I've seen it, I I think, see it constantly. Well, I'm, what I'm hinting at is that most people who are public figures would look into something before falling prey to it. Oh, yeah, and, the press and stuff. Right. right. However, a French far-right politician named Damien Ryu, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his last name, and I apologize if I am, picked it up and retweeted it as if it were fact. Hmm. And off it went. So once... He's a politician. So once this happened, stories ran in both Iran and one other country, Greece where I'm headed in, like, a couple months, in Greece that said this video, this popular video game developer killed yeah, that was the weirdest. That was the weirdest thing. Was like It wasn't just like, oh, this this is the person who did it, and he's some random Japanese man. It was like Hideo Kojima himself did yes. it. it was like, that was the weirdest thing to me, was that yeah. it wasn't like, oh, you're just going to put up a picture of a Japanese person, and people, don't, people are going to not know who he is because no one knows outside of gaming who Hideo Kojima is, and be like, oh, that's him. It was literally like... Creator of Metal Gear Solid is an assassin, yep. which is bizarre that anyone would run with that. Like, why? And, and I've think... seen weird things like that. People do that. It seems like they do that with Kojima sometimes. I've also seen from like right wing Christian circles. It was like a, a like an anti abortion thing, and it's like a picture of him with this. I think it's a fan, like a woman who's like a fan. They're holding the plastic replica of the baby, oh, the in, baby. The, in the jar from, from Death Stranding. And it's like, these this couple decided to abort their baby and, and store it, it in a jar. Put it in a jar plastic jar. All this <laughs> and it's just like, what? And like, but you see that still float around sometimes. I hate to laugh at that, because that is just awful. Um, also, the original joke on 4chan is a racist joke. Yeah. He's basically insinuating, like, look, I can tell you that this guy did this, and some people may know that that's absurd, but... We all think Japanese people all look the same. So I can tell you that this guy is him and you're going to believe... It was, it was gross. Ultimately, it was gross. And then this, this far-right French politician retweeted it. It got picked up in news sources. Um, a couple newscasts over in Europe. Um, it's awful. Kojima Productions has threatened legal action against those who contribute to the, quote... Spread of fake news and rumors that convey false information, end quote. And then the official statement from Kojima Productions. You probably do have some kind of libel case in there. Libel, slander, something along those lines. Slander spoken. 
Yeah. And prove it's liable. Yeah. Kojima Productions strongly condemns the spread of fake news and rumors that convey false information. We do not tolerate such libel, they call it, and will consider taking legal action in some cases. Does it have a case? I think they do. I do, too. Yeah. I mean, you have to figure out who's doing it. Yeah. Like the anonymity of the origin is makes it difficult. But yeah, you absolutely, I think you absolutely have a libel case there. Think about it. Think about it if everybody thought you were the maybe, person who killed. Maybe different if like it was just like a random picture that started getting circulated, but it was clearly like trying to attach his name to mm-hmm. the assassin. So that is definitely, that is an attack on his character and it is an actual libel case. Yeah. If you can find the guy who started it. Do you need to which find is hard the guy who started it at 4chan? Or can I mean, you, you can, can go, you go after, after Damien I mean, Ryu. You could go after him too, but you, you know, ultimately you would probably want the guy who started it if you want ultimate justice. Well, I think, well, you do want the guy who started it, but ultimately it's the politician that is, is the reason why it ended up on news broadcasts. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely, he, definitely him and whoever you know, ran with it in the press and all. You definitely, he handed the story legitimacy. Yeah. When a public figure like that Basically, yeah. retweet you could something, get away. endorses you could, something. Like, I think if, if he hadn't done that, you probably wouldn't have much of a case against, like, the 4chan guy. But in this case, now that it all ballooned, you probably could loop that in. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if there's even any way to tell who posted that on 4chan, so... Oh, 4chan, um, you know, is never going to give that up. Yeah. They will so. never, ever give up the person who... Well, and also, I don't know if it's even possible to trace. Yeah, like, I mean, I'll be honest with you. designed to not be traceable. Like, we design Sifted in a way that we don't track, we can't track people. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't know who people are, but we did it that way on purpose. We wanted to protect people's privacy, and we didn't want people to worry about us selling their information or whatever. It's like, you see all these websites, and by the way, can Eurogamer, like, get rid of the freaking cookies thing? It has literally <laughs> been on its website for, like, a year and a half now. But so you see all these websites that say, oh, like you need to tell us whether you want us to sell your information. We don't have to run that on Sifted because we do not sell your information at all. We don't even have your information. You are anonymous on our website. Um, But and I'm guessing 4chan probably was set up the same way. And even if it wasn't, there's no way the people who run 4chan are going to give up any information from those people. You'd have to subpoena them and they fight the subpoena and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, the problem becomes... Is it worth it? For what? For Kojima to even... Or do you just want it to go away? And I feel like I think it's people worth it prey to, on this. I think it's worth it for him to go after the people who, who circulated it as news. Like, you have to do that, yeah. basically. You need to, what, send a cease and desist to the news networks? Well, CND is not going to... You know, you need to sue for damages at this point. The, like, the TV network. Because the TV networks TV network, did not do their oh, due diligence. Yeah. Like, if, 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 those you have very, very clear cut. You did not do the work on that. Yeah, and that's, that's irresponsible true. and damaging to Kojima. Yeah, I don't care who retweeted it. It's your again, job. Again, to... it would be different if they were just using a picture of him. Right. But they were using his name in conjunction with the picture of him, and that makes it different. Yeah. The guy, by the way, looks nothing like Kojima. No, of course not. <laughs> it's, it's really sad. But I feel like a lot of people get away with this stuff because they know the person that they're targeting is that it, it want, will just want it to go away. Two, if they live overseas or whatever, you start dealing with jurisdictions. It becomes very hard to prosecute the cost of the yeah. lawyers. Like most people, I feel like, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of stuff on me about me online that's straight up lies that just aren't true. There's tons of stuff on NeoGAF that was written about me that's literally just lies. But am I going to go to NeoGAF and like get a law? Why? It's not worth it. Like, yeah, but NeoGAF is not a press outlet. Is it not? No. It's not an accredited news organization, no. 
It's not a what? news station. I don't think news organizations are accredited. Like, I don't think that's a thing. Because Fox News I mean, they have broad- news. <laughs> they have a broadcast license. But they still call it Fox News. Yeah, but they have a broadcast license. They are a functioning business that, that traffics in news reporting, a reportage, you know, ostensibly. Um, but like these places that you're, he's going, we'd be going after in Greece and, and, and Iran and stuff are actual, you know, out, news outlets. Like, but then ne- you see other examples. NeoGAF is a, it's a forum. It's nothing. It's, uh, you, it's, it'd, be, it'd be very hard to track that down. This well, it's not even a- talking about tracking. It's just like any website that allows false information to run mm. on their website is liable. But, yeah, but it's you- not worth the effort and no, the time and the money. It's worth the effort to go after the news outlets. Yeah. That did that. Who should know better? It's their job to know better. Mm-hmm. And that's that. And, and Kojima is media savvy enough to know that he should he will be, he'll pursue that to the end, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, for God's sake, that's practically what Metal Gear Solid 2 is about. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, how ironic, oddly. Dis- it's disinformation being fed to people to turn them into good little soldiers. Yeah, it's true. That's basically the, the big reveal of Metal Gear Solid 2. But I do feel like a lot of people get away with this stuff because they know that people are just going to be like, whatever. Oh, sure. But also in this case, they I mean, I don't think whoever posted on 4chan thought it was going to become international news. I think um, that they think that was they delighted in the fact that it did. Oh, yeah. But I don't think that was their expectation. It just it was it was a bonus. Um, but the well, people, I think they hoped that. But that the would people be the who case. called, I mean, they thought it would be, go viral. And I don't think they expected actual news organizations to report it as right. news. Yeah. Um, but the fact that that happened means you got to go do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they won't do it again. Right. Yeah. That's all. That's what it is. Like there has to be consequences, the, so they actually vet the next fucking picture of a random person who might be an assassin. But the guy on 4chan is going to do it again. <laughs> like he's there's no yeah. detriment. Right. To him. But that guy does that every day. Yeah. It's just this one time. This one actually it blew hit. Up. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, we got a hit tweet doing numbers. Like, that's that's it. That's all it is. You can't stop that. You can just make the people that disseminate the information beyond that have to act responsibly. Yeah. It's bad. It's a bad situation. When somebody can get away with what they did to Kojima, it's a bad situation. I would still kind of argue that, like, it's more the people, that, you know, the, the prominent figures that promoted it as real. That are more responsible than the person who created it, because the person who created it is along you know, along with the anonymous throngs of 4chan who create nonsense like that every day, and you never see any of it because it never leaves the confines of 4chan for the most part. But in this case, somebody decided to treat it as valid and not you do the homework. And let's be honest, Twitter. I I believe half the content on Twitter is a, are lies. They're political lies. A lot of well, I mean, that's what all that the, are easily provable to be false. That's and what the bot thing is. But all to your about. point, that, that that ties in with you know Elon backing out of buying Twitter. Yeah, is like he didn't realize how much of it is garbage, which is a total lie. Like that's not why he's backing. No, out. that's not why he's backing out. He just wanted <laughs> to do damage he's to it. Backing and get out, out because his company lost thirty percent of its value. But it's also noteworthy that that Twitter was so reticent to share any of that. Yeah, like they know. Yeah. They know what it is. Well, it's like, you know, half the people that follow Joe Biden's account are bots. Yeah. They just, they are. Because they just want to spam every tweet that he tweets with lies and propaganda. Just about any public figure yeah. has that. Most of their, a lot of their followers are bots. Mm-hmm. That's why bots are created, to mess with accounts like that. That's just the way it is. Um, so this stuff, you're right. To your point about 4chan is something that's happening a million times a day on 4chan. You're right. It's also happening a million times a day on Twitter at the same time. And but and again, to your point, most journalists are smart enough 
to go on Twitter and not run outrageous tweets from idiots. Mm-hmm. And in this case, that did not happen. No, I mean, this is sort of akin to, you know, what happened with uh, the Sandy Hook parents suing Alex Jones. Right. You know, you can't just lie about this shit. Mm-hmm. You know, well, you can, though. This 4chan guy is going to get away with it. People get away with it all day on Twitter. Right, but they're not news reporters. They're not people, you know, like... The, is the, Alex Jones news? He promote, promotes himself as being, yeah. Does he? He claims he is. <laughs> unless he's unless he's up at his fucking, uh, you know, child custody hearing in which his lawyer says, oh, no, it's all an act and he's playing a character. Right. And then he gets up and says, no, it's all real. Well, the other and thing I was, get, I was getting at earlier is that if you're someone like Kojima and you're thinking about whether you want to go forward with this and you look at what's happened with other TV networks, it's discouraging because mm. look at what happens every time Fox news gets taken to, to court. The, the lawyer argues that no, and this is the exact verbiage that they use that no reasonable person would believe anything that Tucker Carlson says or any of their mm. other hosts. Well, you, there you run into the problem of reasonable people. Right. But what um, I my point is if you're Kojima and you're sitting there and you look at, Someone like Tucker Carlson, who can use that lame-ass argument to get out of all the stuff that he says that's, in all honesty, dangerous and is mm-hmm. sometimes convinces people to become violent. If I'm con- and if he can get away with that, with that excuse, all these other people are going to get away with it, too. Except no, because you're not dealing with the American court system. You mean when you, if you go if into you're suing other Greece, uh, a station in Greece, you, you are dealing with the, the Gre- Grecian court system and possibly part of the Japanese one. Like you are not like you can't judge the whole world's legal practices by the horribly lopsided American legal system. Like, but I, that, but then that in, all this other stuff enters. It's like okay, but now you're dealing with Greece, <laughs> like their court system. Like, is it any better than America's? Probably, probably. Not. Really? Probably, yeah. Now? Yeah, probably. How about Iran? Iran, I don't know what you can do there. I don't, <laughs> really? I don't even know what kind of liability a news network has in, in Iran. Uh, I, you know, like, I, probably none. I don't know a lot about that. Because, I mean, it's all state media anyway. I don't know about that. Iran? Yeah. It's pretty much, yes, it's all state media. It's run by the Is state. It? Yeah. There's not real news in Iran. It, it kind of, yeah, like. There's there's real stuff that runs. I mean, there. there's Al Jazeera. I don't I don't know which one did this. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Like you know, it, it certainly it's worth a shot. Yeah. I mean, also libel laws are different in every country. I mean, I think Greece probably has to abide by whatever the EU is. Yeah. Um. It just feels like there's no way to stop this. There isn't. Yeah. You can just sort it's of just something you, you got to deal can, with. You can put the fires out as they happen. That's mm-hmm. it. You can't stop it from happening. Yeah. It's that's it's, frustrating. It's life. It was frustrating for me seeing people write stuff that wasn't true. And it was funny. Like, my when I first started working online, one of my younger sisters was like, oh, my gosh. When she kind of figured out that, like, I had a following online, she would start poking around to see what people were saying about me. And, like, she – I can't even remember what forum it was. But she found some forum where somebody had just posted a complete lie about me that was completely untrue, just completely made up, fabricated nonsense. And she went off. Like, she wrote – like this five paragraph diatribe about you don't know him. He's my brother. He's like the best guy. You wouldn't know the stuff that he's done for my fam, our family, and, blah, and went on this tirade. And I had to like call her. I'm like, Angel, don't, like, don't do it. It's not good for you. It's not going to do anything. You're not going to stop anything. It's just a part of my life that I have to deal with. And she is like, that is insane. And I was like, it is. That's life working online. It's a. But here's the thing, like. I'm not asking for pity. 
you this is a contract that you sign with yourself when you at this point in the modern age that you sign with yourself when you put yourself out there when you decide i'm gonna sit on camera and do a podcast or i'm gonna sit on camera and do anything you know that this stuff is gonna happen so i don't cry about it i don't moan and complain and say poor me or whatever everybody else who is doing this stuff is dealing with the same crap and so if you don't want to deal with the crap then don't do this because it's part of the deal it just is and that's what i told her i'm like it's part of the thing like i knew it when i started working in this space this kind of stuff was going to happen and i'm sure to a certain extent kojima knows that and kojima has dealt with it but but i don't think he ever expected to be accused by foreign right. press right that he assassinated a former prime minister right that, that, and this is a little beyond it is, the it usual is. you're thing. right and culture in japan is different too mm-hmm. um they are real very like honor and things like that it's something we care about here honor drives society in a lot of ways in japan at least it used to maybe not so much anymore um, but it's a bigger deal stuff like this in japan than it is here so i can understand where he may be more apt to actually go after these. also guys. he's got the resources to do it right he has like, the money that's and the, that's the other thing that like a lot of people get picked on in that regard or have these things happen do not have that recourse but, yeah but kojima is a very media savvy and be well connected and well funded and right. can pursue this as far as he wants to pursue it yep so we'll see yeah so this sucks i feel bad for kojima and you know matt and i we're not big kojima cheerleaders like we're, we're not kojima fanboys so to speak um we are very but i'm pretty killed. sure he wouldn't kill anybody right so. yeah but my point is is like i feel bad for the guy like i feel like he i'm not might, like a big fan of his he might write that scene where a right. guy with a homemade gun shoots a politician like that it was very Metal Gear yeah. in a weird way. Uh-huh. Um, if it only had been made out of nano machines, we would have had <laughs> yeah a real thing. But like, um, yeah, it's 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 a bizarre it's bizarre situation. I can't remember another story like this in the industry. Can you? Uh, a major developer being accused of assassinating a political a prime figure? minister? No, that, that's a that's a new one on me. <laughs> Peter Molyneux has yet to do that, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I don't know about I don't know about Bolzinski. Yeah. Blazinski might have done some shit. Schneeky says, Shane, I read that you faked the robbery at the last studio and sold all the stolen stuff to go on a holiday to Hawaii with Marcus for a month. <laughs> I think he's making that up. But that he that may have read it. Like, that would have been an awkward holiday at the time. I mean, I'll be honest with you. That is the type of stuff that for mm-hmm. people like us, people make up about us. It's right. not us killing a prime minister. It's stuff like that. It's like, oh, well, it's all Shane the... didn't really get robbed. This is a scam. Well, there's a lot of people that think scam. Oh, this is a scam, and this person is taking out. And then they turn around and think Star Citizen is legitimate. You know? Yeah. It's just like, guys. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with, with Sneaky, I did kind of have to explain to people. There were some people that did not believe the story. Mm-hmm. And I did have to explain to people. People were, Some people were asking for the police report <laughs> and stuff like that. And at a certain point, you have to just cut it off and be like, you know what? If you don't believe me, I don't know what to tell you, man. Oh, Shaniki isn't making it up. Apparently, you were accused of that in a thread after the cyberpunk thing. Oh, uh, okay. That well, got go. real weird. <laughs> that did get weird. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. There you go. It was a hate thread full of bollocks. That's what I'm talking about. Like, there's so much fake stuff about me on the internet. Just made up, completely fabricated bullshit. But there's a lot of people like me that work online. That there's stuff like that all over the place. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. So I just take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. I haven't had a lot of that that I've seen. I don't really care. But uh, I do remember I got my first death threat for, um, what was it? I think because I gave uh, Force Unleashed a four out of five. <laughs> Something like that. 
Really? You gave the Force Unleashed a four? I think so. Maybe it was a three. And I, they were mad that you scored it too, too high low. or too low? Too low. Too low. <laughs> wow. They very much believed it was one of the best games ever made. Wow. Which, uh, play more games. <laughs> That's crazy. Yep. Good times. As Johnny Hurricane says, fun times in the land of gaming. Yeah. It is kind of weird how this thing, for me, when I was young... Oh, no. Sorry. My first death threat was when I gave Vice City a four out of five. Oh. That's, that's it. I could see I that got one. the most for I mean, not saying you deserve death threats, but I could see where that would make people send stuff like that. The mm-hmm. unhinged folks among us. Oh, we had a few of those. I mean, they're they're there they took a break from sending horrible emails to morgan (laughs) to just to attack you for a while yeah um yeah it's uh it is funny that this thing that i always viewed as so innocent as a kid growing up and dreaming of maybe working in this industry somehow it it ended up like this (laughs) i mean it's pretty bizarre i mean nothing ruins things like people (laughs) there's your quote for game phase 307 nothing ruins things like people (laughs) it's sadly the truth uh it looks like most people though are like this is one of those things that like most people don't have to deal with honestly like most Mm -hmm. the lay person who doesn't work in this industry or isn't putting themselves out there on streams or you know pre-produced video content on youtube they never have to deal with this kind of stuff i think it's hard for some of them to relate um which is again another reason why i try to just you know i don't know I try to be as even keeled as possible and not get too bent out of shape over this stuff, like the stuff that Sneaky was talking about. Like, I didn't even see that stuff. I don't even go on forums anymore, honestly. I can't even tell you the last time I went, other than our forums, I can tell you the last time I went to a gaming forum. It's been six years, maybe. Yeah, like, if I use Sifted, I have no reason I mean, to there it. aren't really forums much anymore. Well, there's Reset Era now. Yeah. Which kind of took over for NeoGAF. Reset Era. Or whatever. Apparently. Is that how you're supposed to say it? You're supposed to say it, Resetera. But I've never even signed up for an account there, ever. I'm not even a member there. Um, I don't need a forum if I have Sifted. Sifted is like a glorified forum that gives me everything Mm -hmm. that I need. So I just haven't gone. It's crazy. Um, Totemish, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome, man. Yep. Everyone gets it. I know a small streamer who's always accused she used to be a man. People screenshotting her crotch and discussing on Reddit. Yep. That's where we're there's at. A lot of, there's a lot of deranged <laughs> people that are like, oh, like I've seen a lot of that. Where it's like there was some woman that went viral who was like, she just puts like everyone I know knew in college was secretly a man pretending to be a woman, and like look at this these people in line at Starbucks and like their their shoulders are too wide in comparison to their hips, so they're clearly trans people. Like she thinks everyone's a secret trans person trying to. Fool. I'm like. <laughs> you, there, there's something wrong with you. Like these are the same. These, these are the same people who thought like they were being gang stalked 15 years yeah. ago. Or and they like, think everyone every, else is the insane. Or that one. everybody's a lizard person <laughs> with like sideways eyelids, and it's the same yeah. thing. It's just like it's some kind of untreated mental illness that is driving them into this weird fantasy world. It is bizarre. Yep. I'm glad you're saying. <laughs> and they're being encouraged by people like that 4chan guy who are just like putting this crap out. Yeah, and then they see something like this happen. And it gets them even more hyped to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, that could be me. I well, my, could be the one. Well, my favorite was people was like, see, gun laws don't work. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's the second death in Japan from a gun this year. And we had like 260 this weekend. Yeah. Like, there's a difference here. When you build your own gun out of PVC pipe. <laughs> How about this? If, if any instance of breaking the law means you shouldn't have the law... Time to get rid of the speed limit. Everything. And you're welcome, because yeah. that was me. Yeah, DUI. Like, yeah. it's goes. It's oh, someone drove drunk idiotic. anyway, even though it's illegal? Time to get rid of that law. Yeah, the whole like, argument is idiotic. But, but, like, that's the that's same. Where we're, that's but, where it's where also, we're at. but you're dealing with the same kind of people who, no, right. who, who don't 
check these things and don't care if it's true. They yeah. just think it's you know interesting or they think it's the more fun way to see reality. I don't know anymore. I mean, there I are people know. who really believe that stuff is true. Oh, sure. There are people that think... There that, are always useful idiots. <laughs> there are people that think people drink baby's blood and that JFK Jr. is coming back from the dead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. People will believe... There's large groups of people that will believe anything. Any day now. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Okay. Let's move on. Can't wait to see you, Junior. <laughs> He'd be, what, 100 now or something? Or no, his dad would be 100. His dad, his dad would be very old. Yeah, no, JFK Jr. would be 60-something. 70, 70-something, 60, yeah. 70, something like that. He could, be, he's, he could theoretically still have been around if he didn't die already. <laughs> what, what are you talking about, world? Matt? He didn't die. He's just uh, been hanging out somewhere. For, JFK Jr. Like didn't die. No he just went whatsoever. home. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the worst sports game I've played in possibly my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) JFK Junior Tennis Championships. Uh, We're going to talk about Match Point Tennis Championship. Honestly, it's the first tennis game that's been released in quite a while. Um, There's one other series that's been released in tennis games that are also terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And this one just kind of snuck in here out of nowhere. But that's the kind of week that we've had in video game releases, and uh, it's my job to jump on the grenades, and boy, did I ever jump on one. Um, (laughs) The irony of this to me, Matt, is that tennis is the first ever video game genre. It is the longest-running genre in the video game industry. Pong was the first ever video game. Technically, it's space combat, because the first game was computer space. Pong was the first coin-op game. I thought... Computer space was being played on big mainframes even before Pong. Pong was the first one that was put in public, right? Yes. Or Pong was that other one put Pong? in public? It won like bar no, it, or something. No, it became Space War. It became, there was a version of computer space that became Space War and was was on Atari Twenty Six Hundred and was like you know one of those one of those like consoles that only played one game. You could get one of those. Mm-hmm. But um, no, the first coin op video game was Pong. Okay. And Andy Caps in Menlo Park, uh, up where I'm from. And um, but before that, you, computer space goes back to punch card computers, and then when you had a screen, you had very rudimentary graphics for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, computer space is a little bit older. Yeah. But Pong is the first one that people jump dumped quarters into, and and they re- that was famously like after a day or two, the 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 restaurant called called them and was like it broke. Like, it's broken. Like, can you come fix it? So they went it to fix it. It was all full of quarters. It was jam full of quarters. It couldn't hold any more quarters. Like it was, and they it's realized, a, like, oh, wait a minute. It's a great story. Yeah. yeah. So here we are, so many years later, and there are still tennis video games, although not as many as you might expect. And here comes Match Point Tennis Championship. It features 18 real pros. It's supposed to, but they are, like, the bottom of the Pro Tour barrel. Um, Nick... Kyrgios, I think that's how you say his last name. He just made a big fuss about himself at Wimbledon. He got in this oh, he like just to vaccinate. What'd you say? No, no, that's Jovic, who's like oh, the okay. best tennis player in the world. This guy is actually ended up just playing Jovic in the Wimbledon finals mm. after Nadal dropped out of his prior match because he was injured. But this guy earlier at Wimbledon got in this weird match with this guy where they were like sniping at each other and like intentionally like hitting balls into the crowd. Like they both ended up acting like five-year-olds or whatever. But anyway, this guy, Nick Kyrgios, is the the cover athlete for this game and really the only recognizable pro player in this game. 
All the other guys, I was like, who the hell are these people? I didn't recognize, like, any of them. So there are licensed players in this, just not the ones that you would expect and not the ones that you actually care about. There's also licensed gear, and you see all the signage around the court for all these brands. So you think, oh, you know, this game has, like, a bunch of licensed content. The only licensed content in this game are on the pros. Hmm. So the pros wear it. However, you cannot put it on your character. Which no Uniqlo, no go. <laughs> which means that the developer, the publisher of this was like, no, we'll have to pay a lot of money to let the player put Nike on their player. But if the player is already sponsored by Nike, we can kind of piggyback on that agreement and we can get that into the game that way. But you cannot actually use the licensed equipment mm-hmm. and gear yourself. It is it's only for them. Yeah, so like there might have already been a deal there where like if you license the player, they have to be wearing their branded gear yeah. as part of their contract. Right. But you don't have to worry. That's, wow. That's sketchy. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here, Matt. That's too bad because I do like tennis video games some, once in a while. I do. Re- I like Top Spin and I like Virtua Tennis. Isn't another Virtua Tennis coming? I don't I thought, think I thought so. a new Sega. I thought a new Top Spin or a new Sega Tennis I don't. I'm not aware of them. There was another. Was there was another like indie tennis game that's come out a couple times over the last like six years or so. Uh, but it's not good either. And this is also not good. Um the reason tennis video games still have a market is because it's fundamentally so easy to enjoy. Everyone understands how tennis works. It's like, you, it's not complicated as far as sports go. Now, the scoring in tennis is a little confusing to people, but if you just keep winning points, you're going to win at tennis, and people get that. Um, and so I do think that's why it has continued to have some semblance of popularity, although I would argue it's not must not be that popular because we're not really getting tennis video games that much anymore. Uh, Vincent just said that's AO Tennis, yeah, in Tennis World Tour. That AO Tennis was the one that I was thinking of. Um, so there are they do try to do one thing in this game that is different from most tennis games, but otherwise this game is very very simple. And the one thing that they do or they try to do is that each opponent has strengths and weaknesses, and as you're playing them the game will pop up with these windows sharing a weakness of your opponent. And it's not like you expose the weakness with a point or something like that or a volley and they do a poor job hitting it back and they're like, oh, he's not good with his backhand. They just pop up randomly. And it happens while you're playing. A lot of times I can't even read what the weakness is because you can't take your eyeballs off the screen because you're playing freaking tennis. So these things will pop up and they'll say, oh, he's really bad returning lobs or he's really horrible on his backhand. And it really seems like a cool idea until you actually try to exploit the weakness. So I got an alert that I actually managed to read before it disappeared that said my opponent was terrible on the backhand. So I literally peppered him with 10 straight shots that made him return it on his backhand, and he returned every single one. It's all BS. They try to tell you these players have weaknesses. They do not have those weaknesses at all, at least not that I could find to exploit anyway, which is just crazy. That's to me is almost like what false was advertising. That? What happened? Like you went for a smash because he he lobbed it up at you, and like the ball like fell past you and then jumped back up to your racket and then smash. Like the animation on it just went oh. wild. <laughs> Dude, there there are like sometimes it'll actually cut away between points and like players just teleport. Their animations are all weird well, I and saw awkward. One of them. I already saw one of them just sort of walking in place against the edge well, of the court. Well, right there. Right there. Watch. The player just slides. 
after this point. He just slides to the right. Like, you're watching the replay, and eventually he just slides. He moves like three feet. Watch this. And this stuff happens all the time. First of all, it's poorly framed. It's not. He's not even in the center of the frame. Now watch. Zoop. Yeah. It's crazy. Just recentered him to the position. Yeah. He just basically warped to the position that the game. Like, why wouldn't you just in. have him walk there? Yeah. But Weird. I mean, those cutaways. He's not even. The players aren't even centered in the camera. They're like you can barely see like their their yeah, chest. Yeah, like you'd fire a-, a camera guy that couldn't get that shot. <laughs> is it's that, is that, bad. Is that chugging? Yes. Is that the... the no, this is actually the game. It does chug at times. Yeah. How? It's not like a B-roll issue. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know, man. How, how do you suddenly get unexpected load in a... this engine is crap. Wow. Look at it. <laughs> look at me. Look at the guy who looks just <laughs> like you in the background. Oh, yeah. So there's like 10 faces in this game. I'm not exaggerating. Like <laughs> 10 faces. So the guy that I'm playing against right now, the next match I played, his face was on one of the line judges standing behind the player. I, the faces just get completely reused over and over again. Um, <laughs> this game is a disaster. The game itself is very simple. You have all the face buttons are basically your different types of shots. So I played it on PS5. The triangle is your lob shot. The square is the backspin. And the circle is topspin. And then X is just your flat shots. But here's the thing about this game. When you first start playing it, and the B-roll you're seeing right now is literally me playing the first match that I ever played in this game. Eventually, what I figured out was you don't even watch the ball. When your opponent hits the ball to you, all you have to do is just tip the analog stick either left or right, and your player just automatically runs to the spot. And then what you're supposed to do is load up your shot. And once you hit the shot button, a little cursor will appear on the other side of the court where you can place your shots. And after you get good at this game, you don't even watch anything you tip this you tap the stick in the direction the shot is going hit whatever shot you want whether it's top spin backspin or whatever hold the button the the cursor appears and then you just place that cursor where you want the ball to go and release the shot and it goes exactly no matter how what your player's ratings are that shot always goes right to that blade of grass that you leave the cursor on Hmm. and once i got good at this game the games just dragged on forever forever nobody could ever get a winning shot after a while like the computer i could beat the computer like i just destroyed the computer after a while but and i got sick of that i went online and played against humans and it literally lasted forever i i never finished an online game because hmm. the each rally i'm not exaggerating matt would last like three minutes before somebody could get a winning shot past you because Again, your player in online, they equal everyone's stats, so it doesn't matter how fast your guy can run. He always gets to the ball, and it's just a matter of getting that cursor in the right spot, releasing that shot button, and every single time, you're going to put it right on the money. The game also can't tell when shots are in, in inbounds or out of bounds. Blatant shots out of bounds, they call inbounds in this. You can see it with your, with your bare eye. <laughs> Clear as day. There's no umpire in the game. There's none of it. There's no interaction between your player and the other player. They don't shake hands after a match. They don't even act like they each other exists. They don't act interact with the umpire. The umpire makes no calls. When a, call, a ball is close to the line, they don't show the replay like they do in real tennis where it shows like the ball mark on the line because it's all automatic now. Uh-huh. They, don't, they have line judges, but they don't really need them. None of that is in the game. It doesn't even exist. It's like, it's like it doesn't exist in real tennis. 
It's it's crazy. I cannot believe they released this game in this state. Um, yes, yeah, so you can't challenge calls. Even if a ball is blatantly out and they call it in, there's no challenges, there's none, none of that. The career mode is basically just a bunch of menus that take you from one fake tournament or exhibition to another. They have no licensed tournaments in this, so there's no Wimbledon or the U.S. Open or any of the big tournaments that tennis fans love. Um, there's none of that stuff. The career mode is just like one event after another that you've never heard of. And there are requirements for them, but again, you're playing the computer. It's just a means to an end because it, literally, I think I win most of the matches like six love, six love. Like it's very rare that the computer ever even gets a point against me once I got I learned how to actually play the game. Um, so the career mode is a complete joke. None of it's licensed. None of it matters. The courts don't play different. You play on a clay court. I couldn't tell any difference in the physics between playing on grass or clay or a hard court. The ball bounced the same. It all played the same. Um, as you've seen in this B-roll, the, the presentation is like completely low rent. The cutaways are awkward. The players don't interact with each other. You win tournaments or a match. There's no cutscene that shows you winning anything. There's no trophy presentation. It just goes to this static screen that says you won or you lost and has some stats. And that's it. Huh. There's no presentation in this at all. As I said, there's so few heads and faces that they just repeat over and over again. The best thing I can say about the graphics in this game is the animation. But, like, there's no diving in this game, so you can't even dive for a ball if you want to because you don't have to because it's all automated as far as running to the ball and actually making contact with the ball. It's so bad. There's online multiplayer. I mentioned that earlier. There's a casual and ranked, and that's it. Casual, I could never get a game. I played ranked. And as I said, the matches went on forever and ever until I just finally quit. Like, it literally, there was one match that I was had played for an hour, and we were only on the second set. And I just gave up. I was like, what is this? This is insane. There's no doubles in the game, whether you play by yourself or whether you play online. There's no doubles play. That is weird. In a tennis game. It's just, <laughs> it's crazy. It's so bad. The, the kicker in all this, Matt, is it's $50. It is? They are trying to sell this game for $50, bucks, 49 99 I was kind of expecting you to say it was like $15. No, $50, $5, wow. dollars It's terrible. Well, as I said in the first sentence discussing this game, the worst sports game I have played in decades. Go go dig up a copy of Top Spin. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For You probably get it for a dollar. Buy it on eBay for $3. That's the thing, too. It's like... Do graphics matter that much in a tennis game? Not really. What really matters is does it play well. Yeah, the physics and the and the and that kind of thing matter. Yeah, do you have the adequate controls that you need? Like the other thing in this game, rushing the net. He won't do it. You can hold the analog stick up all day and he'll only go like halfway up the court. He won't go all the way to the net. But your opponents do. Huh. Good thing they're so dumb that you can whoop them, but otherwise they have a huge advantage. They can go up to the net and stand there. And, of course, you just lob it over top of them or whatever when they do that. But still, that's completely out of your repertoire as a player. You can't go to the net. You can move up, but you can't go all the way to the net. The I cannot believe they released this game. Like, this feels like, okay, this is a prototype that we put together to try to, try to convince the publisher to sign the game. Like, this is what you show a publisher and say, this is what we've been working on. You interested in working with us? And then you spend two years developing the game. It's so bad. Match point, tennis championships, stay far 
far away. Do you have any questions, Matt? Nope. Or you can go by Nintendo Switch Sports, which has tennis in it and actually does have doubles. So if you're a Switch owner, definitely go with that. I don't even think this is available for Switch yet. I think it may be coming later. Um, but Sounds like a threat. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, get steer way far away from this game. I can't can't believe that they're releasing games this bad and trying to ask for that much money for it. So that's. I mean, I sure, I assume that's partly related to the license. What's related the to price. the license? Oh, I mean, if all you're getting is 18, who is that? Right, but I'm sure and that... Whatever raised, crap gear they wear. But I'm sure that would still raise the price yeah. if they had to pay for licenses. To 50 bucks? It's crazy. Stay far, far away from that one. Um, or just as Matt said, buy an older game if you're interested yeah, in tennis. Yeah, the Top Spin or Virtua Tennis or... Um, hell, that Sega Superstars Tennis game was pretty good. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. Mario Cause Tennis... Because it, it was by the team that did Virtua Tennis. Yeah. Mario Tennis is a is an arcade-style tennis game, and it plays more realistically and gives you more control options than this game does. And you can hit the, that ball with a firing racket. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yep. So, again, Match Point Tennis Championship, stay away. You can play away. as a dinosaur in that I don't game. care how much you like tennis. And, in fact, Mitch, who used to work with us here on Game Face, um, he's a big tennis player. And we've been trying to get a tennis game together for a long time. So, Mitch, if you're watching this, do not buy this game. Do not get suckered into buying this game. Um, just buy something old or just hold on until something decent comes out. Although you may be holding on for a long time because tennis does not seem like a priority in the games industry anymore for most publishers. It just isn't. No. Yeah. It's turned into a niche, basically. Uh, okay, let's move on. We've been talking about E3 2023 pretty frequently here on Game Face for the last few months as the fake E3 2022 rolled through and... Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest happened and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we wondered what the ESA was going to do because Jeff Keighley had already shared that he was going to tackle both an in-person and a digital event around the E3 timeframe in 2023. So we wondered, is the ESA just going to back off or is it going to approach Jeff and try to work together with Jeff on stuff as they had done in the past? Well, as it turns out, neither thing is happening the ESA announced this week that it is doing E3 in person and digitally all on its own. Well, not completely on its own. When I say alone, I mean not with Jeff Keighley, but it is working with a production company called ReadPop, the same production company that does PAX. What is going to happen, Matt? Well, <laughs> what is going to happen? Nothing of note. You don't think anything of note's going to happen? Well, we'll see if they even do it in the first place. Wait, which side? ESA E3. or Matt? Or, uh, or Jeff? ESA. Yeah? I mean, I'm not... I, I wouldn't pay for tickets just yet. That <laughs> way. I don't know. What's going to happen here? Are they both going to try to do it? And then uh, what? Yeah, I think so. That would be a disaster. For E3. You think? <laughs> Or show? do you think people are going to embrace the real E3 and be like, Jeff, I'm sorry, what is, man. What is the real E3? The real E3 is what we're seeing here. The real A E3 is dead. Event. The real E3 is gone. Sony's not coming back. Microsoft's not coming back. EA's not coming back. Like, nothing's there anymore. There's no there there. Like, you're going to see Nintendo's booth. That's it. Like, it's it's over. It's over. They're, the, hiring the PAX people indicates that they're going to try to turn this into a, into a, into a, like a fan event kind of thing. And that's it. That's what they're going to try to do to milk people for money and, and turn it into some kind of, you know, Comic-Con kind of thing. 
That's what this is. That is an this is an attempt at a redirect. It is not the return of E3. But look, if Jeff is already committed to doing an in-person event, yeah, and if the SA does it too, you think they're going to not participate with either one of them? Who the publishers? I mean, they'll participate, but like the Sony's not going to be on the floor. Like you're not going to be able to go play Sony games on either floor. But there's more publishers than Sony, obviously. Yeah, but you're talking about the big three. There's only going to be one of them there. Well, Xbox is still there. I mean, across the street. Xbox is across the street in a separate event in the theater they own. Yeah. That's not the same thing. It kind of is. I mean, it's literally like 50 yards away from the front door of E3. Yeah, but you got to get in a different way. Yeah. Like it's a whole separate line to wait in, and then you got to mm-hmm. wait in lines inside. I mean, it's it's, it's a it's a shitty thing. I understand why they do it, because that way they, they get free rent, because they own the theater. It's instead of paying, like, however many millions the booth space costs across the street. Like, it makes sense as a business decision for them, but it's not the same thing in terms of how you experience it as an attendee. Like, it's it's a terrible show. It's been a terrible show for a long time if you're not, like, an industry person. Mm. Like, I, I would never recommend anyone go to this and spend their money on this if they weren't already part of the industry and having to go and knew people and had connections and could get appointments and stuff. Like, I would absolutely, at the very least, wait and see what the hell this looks like. So you I mean, think they're both going to fail? I don't know. Both if, the in-person events? Know. Well, it depends what Jeff's goal is. What's Jeff's goal with this thing? Is it just to be, like, another... Summer Games Fest. Just to replace E3. Right, but you're not going to do that in one year. I mean, he's been doing it for multiple years already. Yeah, but he's not done a, a, an in-person, like, open-to-the-public event. That's my question. Well, he just did. Well, not open-to-the-public, but well, he, open did to have, the public. he did have a little warehouse where he had some people. Right, but this is that's different from, like, opening it to, like, people just want to buy a ticket. The, the point that I'm getting at is an in-person event is going to happen during E3 week next week, or next year. So, whose is it going to be? Is it going to be the ESA's in-person event, or is it going to be Jeff Keighley's in-person event I mean, I that imagine, the publishers support? I would imagine, like, both and neither to some degree. Yeah? Yeah. You think they'll support both? Or do you think the publishers are going to start sending a message to one camp or the other, like, hey, heads up, we're going to do this with Jeff, or heads up, we're going with the ESA, we've been dealing with them for 30 years, like, well, how's that going to play out? I think I don't think the 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 E3 thing gives you enough uh, uh, advantage for the money. So I would expect the ESA thing. You yeah, mean? I would expect a lot of them would go with with Jeff because you're going to get the same re- you know the same number of people still watch this shit. No matter it doesn't matter who does it. The point is that it streams and mm-hmm. it happens and people can pull up Twitch or YouTube and watch it and you still get the numbers. So maybe you should go with maybe they're going to go with the guy who isn't charging them a ridiculous amount of money to be involved because he's not a lobby group. Yeah, I mean he may not be charging them anything. Who yeah. knows? I honestly, I honestly do not know. I would the, think he wouldn't be. Yeah. Um. I mean, I feel like for him to have a chance, he probably should not. No, I would. I agree. Yeah. Because if he tries to charge, then I think the publishers will definitely go with the ESA. Well, that's why Jeff has sponsors. Right. Sponsors pay for it, not the public. Well, so does the ESA. So. I mean, yeah, the but ESA they're also charging banners. everybody everything. You know, yeah. everybody has to pay to go and go to E3. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think from a financial standpoint, it makes more sense to go with Jeff because he's not going to gouge you for booth space or whatever because there really isn't any beyond like whatever rudimentary thing exists. And who knows how big the venue might be? Yeah, and you're still going to get the same, pretty much the same amount of eyeballs online as you would either way. So why not go with the one that isn't trying to charge you ten million for a booth? So you think if the publishers are sitting there and they're like, okay, Jeff has this little warehouse in Santa Monica, the ESA has the LA Convention Center, they're going to go with Jeff in that little... Yeah, I don't think the in-person event really matters. I, yeah. think, I think it's the online, the digital stuff, and you can do both of them. You, know, you can still say, like, okay, we'll do a press event thing and brand it for, as E3, 
uh, and throw up a digital stream or, or, a, or a direct kind of thing and call it E3, that's fine. But like, it doesn't mean you got to be involved in the in-person show. But of if, them haven't been. What if the ESA does as you said, and it works with this group that produces packs, and it does become this big fan event? That doesn't change in the calculus for you. Not, you don't think the publishers 20, then are like, "Hey, we need to connect with our fans." Not in twenty twenty three. Yeah, you'd have to prove it. You have to prove it by doing. Well, Maybe I mean, twenty twenty four. They could do that by saying we've sold X number of tickets already. Bullshit. Bullshit. No. What do you like mean? You, bullshit. You have, you, the people have to see the event be successful. Mm. You have to see that it's an event you want to be part of that isn't a disaster that everybody hates and gets stuck like waiting in in giant crowded spaces to get let you know. You'd have to see that it's run competently in 2023 before you decide to join up in 2024. That's the 2023 is a proving ground for e, for the ESA on this. But it's a chicken and egg scenario, right? Because if the publishers aren't there, no one's going to go. I think people are going to go anyway because people are. I mean, people went to the old one, and there wasn't really much to do there either. At the very least, having the people that run packs might indicate that they would be able to set some stuff up or stuff for people to do. Yeah, you know? what if... What if the they... one thing that packs does not lack is things for people to do. Right, so what if E3 turns into that? So down below, where we used to go to Kenshia Hall, and they had all these goofy mm-hmm. peripherals and stuff, what if they take all those rooms and they turn them into, like, gaming rooms, and there's an esports tournament in one of them, and there's sure. tabletop gaming in another... It's packs, like... yeah. You don't but think publishers would want to work with that? They don't go to packs in large numbers, do they? They do. Publisher. They just show different. Not E three level. I mean, we're talking yeah. about something that's comparable to E three that has the name E three on it. No, this might be like PAX E three in the end. But like, you know, you're gonna and with the money that the ESA charges to be part of these things, like that's just not there anymore. Like so what if the ESA is like, you know what, we're going to bite the bullet and we're going to make less money off of E3? And that gonna, is, I mean, yeah, sure. Would but that, that change the calculus? Probably, but that is a thing they would do in 2024 after they realize that 2023 didn't work right. Hmm. I think you're going to have to have them some kind of failure or success in 2023 before you see what the shape of this thing is going to be going forward. Meanwhile, Jeff already knows what he wants to do. Hmm. So that's the slight advantage that Jeff has. Um, in general, I don't think it really matters in the end very much because in the most, the vast, vast, vast majority of people are just going to watch these things stream online and not think about it twice. Yeah. And in the end, I think you are up still up. If you're, even if you're trying to create some kind of PAX style event, you're up against the wall and the fact that like PAX Prime or PAX East are in very different places than downtown Los Angeles. Like just getting to this and existing in the space and finding food and lodging is going to cost you several thousand dollars. In the in in that prime tourist June, June season, I mean, Pax is in Seattle. It's expensive AF there too. Yeah, but not as much at the time of year, and not as much in the sense that like you can get around Seattle. You mm-hmm. can go places. You know, there's a public transit system that more or less works. You can do what you need to do in LA. You're kind of stuck downtown. There's nothing. If you you can't come here and like there's so much stuff in LA that people don't realize is not in LA. It's like oh, as long as we're there, we'll go to Disneyland. Disneyland's 35 miles south of there. Yeah, you're gonna need to rent a car. You're gonna need to take mm-hmm. a bus. You're gonna take a train. Like there's a lot of stuff to deal with. Um, it's I mean, just, it's I just personally not... would rather be in LA than Seattle. <laughs> like, um, you're I'm... only no matter where you are, you're you know a, an Uber ride from the beach. Have you tried to take an Uber for the, to the beach lately? You know how much that costs now. I mean, I don't think that matters. From downtown, it's a hundred something bucks. I don't think it matters. If you come all the way to LA and you want to go to the beach, it matters spend... if you don't have a hundred bucks to spend on an Uber. I mean, you don't come to LA if you don't have a little bit of money. Well, the news is for. What do you mean use it for? For gamers, people who love games. Who apparently have thousands and thousands of dollars of disposable income. Some of them do. They don't expect to spend on games, I guess. I just don't buy it. Hmm. I think it's, it's, as the lower third said, it's going to be a clash of the titans. I, I think it's really going to, if one of these two doesn't titans back down. Is a, titans is a very generous word. 
But for which side? Both of them. What, really? Uh, not, these are these Jeff are, is a titan. So is the ESA. Online, the ESAs are online, not in a person, not in person. <laughs> like that's the, the, these these in person events are the losers here. Like uh, like a digital competition, sure, that's going to be a fight. But in terms of like getting people to go to these things, like people will go to them. But it's like these are these have become very lackluster events. Uh, the E3 has been, and like they're going to have to come out of the gate swinging. I don't ima- I can't imagine what that's going to be, if it even happens. I mean, Jeff's still going to do it no matter what because Jeff's Jeff. But so you like, mean COVID maybe? Yeah, could be. Keeping it from happening. I don't know. Yeah. I think this is going to be fascinating to watch, honestly. Oh, it might, it might indeed be fascinating to watch. Because I do think both of them are titans in the industry. And I think both of them have a lot of pull with publishers. And I think it's going to put the publishers in a really, really tough spot where they have to pick. Because I, re- I do not think that publishers are going to be willing to participate in both. Like, I don't think they're going to be willing to have, like kiosks at both events i just don't it's too much and it it's like is there's a well, certain... sony like sony's not gonna be at either one of them right so who cares like that, that i mean i care about a lot more than just sony right but like you're talking like that's where the fanboyism is that's where the fervor is is the is the console war stuff and like two of the console warriors are not gonna be at e3 and they're probably not really gonna be at at least one of them is not gonna be at jeff's thing either well if the esa were smart what it would do is it would work out a deal with Microsoft where if you pay to come to E3, it also gives you a pass to go across the street to the Xbox thing. I mean, generally, I think that's how it worked. It's just getting it is? A, 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 something like that. I, was it, I, I don't, don't know, honestly. I don't know. I had a press thing the whole time. But all I know is that I saw people lined up outside that Microsoft theater for way longer than they should have been. I felt like I needed to talk to Xbox PR to get into that. I had to talk to Xbox PR to get past the line. But I still could get in with my E3 thing huh. as far as I remember. I thought for sure it was special armbands that got you I in there. I can't remember. I think you just need to like show credentials for E3, yeah. and then you get the credential to get in there. I don't think my, it was a separate thing, but I might be wrong. My point, though, is that this is like the Titanic heading towards an iceberg. <laughs> like, I just don't know which way it's going to turn. I, I'm, I well, think Well, whichever way be... it turns, it's still going to hit the iceberg. <laughs> you may be right. But it's, I don't know. It. I've never, I never thought we would be in a position where... We'd have this one luminary taking on the establishment. Well, I mean, the establishment. We've been, we've been saying Jeff's going to try that for years now. Yeah, but I'm talking about clearly what he's warming up. I'm to. talking about when I got in the industry back in the early yeah. aughts or whatever. Like I never could have dreamed that one person could do what Jeff is doing. I never would have dreamed that many people would be able to bring cameras. Right. To the thing. I mean, it was a very too. different world. <laughs> That's a good point too. Absolutely. Um, Vincent saying, "Why are you assuming Jeff would be open to the public? I'm expecting his to be press and influencers only." I mean, that would be what I'd expect, unless you know something about what he's doing I don't. Like, I don't think he's trying to make a PAX here. No, I don't think so either. But he said he's having in-person event next year. Yeah, but, but I think that I think he's right. I think that's like kind of what he did this year, just like maybe a larger venue so like more people can go. Like the judges and things like judges that. Judges and press and influencers and developers and whoever wants to get in and has the, has the, the clout to do it, yeah. basically. Influencers. Like, I have a hard time believing that people that just show up to buy a public ticket for E3 will be able to go to Jeff's thing, too. Also, I mean, if, if Jeff's thing's, Jeff thing's in Santa Monica, like, don't even try it. Like, that's a yeah. that's a day trip. Jeff's um, been doing this forever, by the way. He's been setting up, like, locations for Judges Week. Oh, for, yeah, Judges Week has always been a thing. It's the same thing, though. Let's be honest. It's slightly larger Because now. there were events at Judges Week where you would go to a hotel, and yeah. there would be a big, like, mini E3. 
well, like a mini E3 there, basically. Yeah, it was like an E3 where you can actually play something. Yeah, and you get shuffled around from like one ballroom yeah. to the next and see this. But he always kept system. it away from. It was always like a month before. Usually. Right, it was before instead of happening that week. You're right. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he's going to look at Judges Week now differently, and that's going to be. I'll in. say, I'll say personally, as someone who would want to like cover stuff press wise or whatever for that kind of thing, I would absolutely rather go to Jeff's thing. Because I would imagine I'd be treated better and be able to get my hands on more more stuff Maybe. With in less time. Maybe. It's going to be interesting to watch, man. Again, I just think it's this is something like we've never seen before. I don't think there's any way to know how it's shaking out. I don't think we know I mean, I don't how think that, weakened the ESA is in the eyes of the publishers is the X factor. I think real damn weak. Otherwise, you wouldn't have so all these people leaving. I just don't know if the publishers are saying, it's been COVID. Like, they totally no, can't do the show. this was before COVID. What's before COVID? The leaving. Oh, yeah. The leaving. But I think the leaving's done. Like, I think the people well, yeah, that have left... Well, no left to go except Nintendo and Ubisoft. No. There's yeah. plenty of publishers there. Who? Activision. Activision shut that shit down. Um, Bandai Namco. There's publishers there, for yeah, sure. Someone... Bethesda used to have a booth after Xbox had left. If had you could even booth. get it. Some years you couldn't get it. But you're right. There. They will probably be leaving the floor now. They're not going to be there. To go to Xbox this thing. Yeah. I mean, they'll be next door, I guess. But, like... There's nothing there. This is it's so rudimentary now. Like I hope you like Atlas games. You know? <laughs> well, I think also our bar is a little different from people who may just want to come. Somewhat, but like also like if you're if you're thinking about flying across a country to come to this thing for however amount of money and stay have like and you're like, well, it's just gonna be Nintendo, Ubisoft, Sega, Bandai and a bunch of also rans, you know, mm-hmm. like it's one thing. It's not like I'm not interested in their games, but it's a different thing to say I'm interested in playing your game versus like I'm interested in coming across the country, staying in LA for a week to go to pay for the privilege to stand in line to touch it. Like yeah. it's a different thing. Like I mean, I'm sure that's why they've teamed up with the with the repop people to try and come up with reasons for people to be there other than that. Because the the fact that they teamed up with the PAX people says to me that they kind of know this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Because this this indicates to me that they're going to try to create a space that is going to be something that we're we're like because PAX specializes. In well, it also making, says to me that they can't work with Keeley anymore. Right, but... but <laughs> I mean, because he was doing Keeley, this stuff before. Yeah, but he wasn't organizing the whole show. No, but he was handling he, all the community stuff. He was the one setting up the panels where people would sit on the on the beanbags and watch the panels that happened. They had that whole area busted open just for his yeah, stuff. But, but like, the, but going he was with, handling the community angle. But going with PAX also indicates that they're trying to make it something a little different in the sense that PAX's appeal is not in really what's shown on the floor and what the booths have to say or have to show. It's largely a community event. It's like uh, people's good memories of PAX come from the people they interact with and the stuff they play together off you know, off the show floor yeah. as much as on the show floor. If you can create some kind of space like that, like you said, using Kencha Hall or whatever, you might have a better reason to be there. You might have a reason to come back every year to see your E3 friends like a lot of PAX people do or a lot mm-hmm. of Comic-Con people do. But right now, that's not really a thing. In part because the public-facing E3 has not existed long enough for that to happen. And too many people come in and go, like, okay, I guess we've seen everything in one day. Let's go to the zoo or something. You know? um, but, like, you got to create, you got to make it a, a place that's worth going no matter whether Sony or all these other companies show up in the future or not. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know if that's possible. Um, certainly, I don't know if it's possible to, to and continue to justify renting the L.A. Convention Center for it. Mm. I think no matter what, it's going to be really messy. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of fumbling and figuring out what this thing needs to be. Stops and starts where you think for a while that one is going to do yeah, it and then you think what, the other one's going to do it. Well, I don't think it's other. I think Jeff is what it is and we know what Jeff's doing. I think e, what E3 is going to be is the question. And I think E3 is the thing that people, including a lot of the big publishers, are going to be like, well, 
let's see what it is. You know, like I, I would, I would definitely take a stand and wait uh, tank tactic towards this, especially if I hadn't been super dedicated to E3 in the years before, you know, the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely have a lot of questions about. It. I'm sure there will be meetings about that. Oh yeah. But uh, the only, like, you know. Even if I'm Nintendo, I'm kind of be like, do we want to build a giant fa- fancy booth like we always do, or do you just want to kind of, yeah, here we are, kind of thing. I'm pretty convinced Nintendo will build a gigantic fancy booth. Maybe, but like, I don't know. I can, they, for I, Nintendo, a lot of it's about control. Sure, a lot of it's about control, but uh, the other thing, I do not do not discount the fact that we've we haven't had any three in three years, yeah. four years by then. Yeah, out of sight, out of mind. And it hasn't hurt anybody. They've yeah. all sold fine. The PlayStation 5 went crazy. The Xbox mm-hmm. Series X sold great. Like, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. No one needs this. And they all know it now. Like, that's the that's the obstacle for E3. Then why do they need Jeff? Who? The publishers. They, they don't. don't need Jeff either. They don't. No, you're right. Right, so that's, why would they work with Jeff? I don't know. That's a good... <laughs> but, well, because look at Summer Games Fest. Because Where were they? they? feel like they do need it. I, they don't. They can just put their own shit out. No, I'm, so whether they do or not is irrelevant. I think that they believe that they do need it. I don't think they do anymore. Then they wouldn't be a part of Jeff's thing. W- were they? Yeah. Where? Well, I mean, because I, most of summer game, most of summer games fest was just like, not we watched I mean, those anything things. that wasn't in a press conference was in summer game fest was in Jeff's show. But like it was. Not it. We, you, we said ourselves like, okay, we're gonna go over the stuff that was in that summer games, but a lot of it was just like indie stuff that like. Well, was, as we're seeing, every big game from this year was delayed out of the year. That didn't help. Yeah. And now every big game is coming out before this next year. Yeah. That's yeah, true. So I think it's gonna get really interesting to watch how this all plays out. I, I, again, I never thought I would see Jeff I, going butting heads with the ESA. I think it's gonna be more like watching the crypto thing collapse in itself. <laughs> schadenfreude yeah (laughs) um i'm interested in what you guys think i feel like a lot of times when we ask our community about this they want the old e3 back like when these who does like our like the sifters like when we post stories about this type of stuff about the esa about summer games fest for jeff the majority of the people in the comments usually say they want the old e3 they like the spectacle they like the big press conferences, they like the surprises, they like the crowd reactions to things, like they want live crowds back at the press conferences. Um, oh well. Yeah. But I mean, it's not you, worth you it have to, to anybody. listen to the, the players at least a little no, bit. No, you don't, because they're still going to buy the fucking game. Like, yeah. who gives a shit? Why would you spend all that money to do this big venue thing and rent this giant theater and pack all these people in it? Then you just do a direct and it's the same. It's the same outcome for you business-wise. There's no reason to do that. Mm. It's not worth it anymore. I wonder if there, anyone has done any studies in the post-E3 press conference world and compared the viewership of the directs and the media that the publishers put out and if it has, in fact gone up over time or if it's gone down since the live stuff the live press conference and stuff like i don't know there's no i don't know who would even assemble all that data honestly Mm -hmm. but um it'd be interesting to get a look at it but um erebus says i honestly couldn't give a crap i like the press conferences but don't care if it's an event or a youtube video and i think that is very very common um as long as you get the content in your eyeballs i don't think it matters what they're doing at the location um, Ashes in the Hourglass, I don't care about the live aspect. Vincent, I got like 95% of what I enjoyed from E3 from Play Days. Ashes in the Hourglass says just make it all in a week. 
I, would, I think we yeah would concentrate everything in one ch- one time yeah. zone. I yes, think that's, that well, that's be... a common criticism from all of yeah. us. I think is that we all would be like, look, we don't need to drag this out like yeah. three months. It's really ridiculous. But I think that is sort of you know they they condensed it more this year, and I think that, you know going forward with this, if you've got these two things kind of competing or at least paralleling, there's no reason not to do it all at once. Let's have it. I'm sure Sony E3. will do it a week before, a week after, just be different or whatever. But like it all kind of, I think it will continue to kind of concentrate in one area. There are people who are saying that they miss E3. Lestevez says it. Uh, oh, I'm, I miss... with Crack Bros. I miss E3. I miss E3, but but it's gone. It's over. It's never coming back. E3 as we knew it is over. And to try and like kind of prop up the, the corpse is kind of silly at this point. You want to recreate it into a community event like PAX? Sure. LA could use one of those. Mm-hmm. But like... I mean, it's kind of crazy that LA doesn't have one of those. True. Let's be honest. I don't think L. I don't think the convention center is the place where it's too big and too pricey, unless they're still getting the deal they used to get where they got it for a dollar. Um, I mean, that depends whether LA finds That's it worth the it. That's city. Yeah. yeah the, the city has. The city did that because it was like generates a lot gen- of other it revenue. Generated something like twenty two percent of revenue for the for the summer or something down to like it, yeah, it was a huge, a huge chunk. just like Comic Con. Comic Con is something like seventy three percent of the revenue down there of the gas lamp of a gas, gas lamp district. If for you the go to that area when it isn't Comic Con, it's very different. It's a different yeah. world, dude. Yeah, it is. It is really quiet. You can get into restaurants and, and everything. Real slow. Like I had a buddy <laughs> that just visited me last weekend, and he actually flew into San Diego first. And then got a rental car and drove up here to hang out with me for a couple days with his whole family. But he's, he went to see a Padres game. He's a big baseball guy at the stadium, which is right there. Padre. I thought you said pod race. And no, no, like, the Padres. They have pod races in San Diego? <laughs> where have I not seen yeah. it? And the Padres stadium, which is amazing, by the way, is right next to the convention center where they have Comic-Con. And out you walk out of those two venues, and then that's the gas lamp. And it runs mm-hmm. up like five blocks away, I yeah. guess, roughly. But he was like... That was, area was so dead. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's, I'm like, that's the gas lamp. He's like, there was nobody there. There's nothing ever. there. <laughs> like, there's people out like on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Like, you'll see people. But it's not yeah. like. It's, it's not like it is at Comic-Con. No, no. It's just raging. It's awesome. That's the best part of Comic-Con for me. I was, there, like, the I was there in June. And for a minute there, I was like, I, was just, I mean, there's still people out because it was Saturday night. But I'm like. Is this not the same area? And they're like, no, this is the this same. This is it. It's just, <laughs> it's just you can walk on the sidewalks now because it's not kind of. I mean, it's not even very crowded at all. Yeah. Like, even on Friday and Saturday night, I went to a baseball game on a Saturday night there, last time I was there, and, like, you'd see patches of people. Well, actually, when I was there, it was fairly crowded because it, it was graduation, uh, and, like, people were walking around in prom dresses and stuff, like, grad, grad night stuff. So it was, it was probably more so than normal. Yeah. But it still was not Comic-Con. Like, yeah, Comic-Con yeah. Is, a, is, a, is a level of Pop-Con. crushing... <laughs> crushing crowds that is just you don't you don't know it's awesome i love it it's great it. to see our people out on the streets God, and in bars and restaurants i hate every fucking second of it <laughs> get out of my fucking way like i am so done with that shit uh so anyway this is the story that we'll keep an eye on and you guys will too um as the year goes on and we get more information but this is kind of the first volley from the esa saying look we're coming and we'll see how it all shakes out i just I am. I can't. Yeah, it's wait more to like see. the first wife in the essay saying, "Hey, we're coming back, guys." Co- <laughs> is there anyone we're to coming? Talk? Is there anyone left coming, to talk to you now? We're coming back. Yeah. Where are you going? Like it's yeah. It's it's. I I am skeptical about the 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 need for any of this. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the I know the ESA's need for it. Yep. But um, Nexus Six Batty also brings up a good point. He says, "Doesn't Pactor say that attending E3 for for publishers is to support the ESA as well to keep them." 
uh, afloat to keep them around to protect their interests in court and Congress. Yes. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But I and do that th- is the main way that they do support the ESA. Yes, the but I do think it's only a matter of time before a different lobby group rises to maybe give them an alternative to support rather than the ESA, because I don't think there's a lot of satisfaction with the ESA yeah. in terms of doing that job in recent years. Yeah. Okay. Decades, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Let's move along. We're going to talk next about a PlayStation purchase that finally went through this week, and we got some more insight into what it all means. Haven Studios, which is Jade Raymond's brand new studio, which it appears now the startup of the studio was funded by PlayStation. Mm -hmm. And then they started kicking around a couple ideas inside the studio. They showed it to PlayStation, and PlayStation was like, you know what? We just want to own you. Mm Mm-hmm. And Which we, is exactly what I said was happened when we talked about it before. Yeah. I said there must be something they're working on, either the game concept or the, some tech they have that Sony's like, we want that. Yep. And that's exactly what's happened. Mm-hmm. So apparently Haven Studios and Jade Raymond and her crew, also, by the way, it's not just her. There are, there's at least like 10 all-star developers working yeah. at Haven. That Managing a is, team that's is like up to like 100 now. Yeah. But there's like 10 like ringers on that mm-hmm. team that have built amazing games and done innovative stuff with tech and things like that um so she's with that squad and they started working on their stuff remotely and her goal was to create a studio that could work remotely a hundred percent even when the pandemic was over they would still and so they built this crazy cloud structure that allows them to share the stuff that they're working on very quickly and you're not waiting to download stuff. You're not waiting to get connected through the VPN and all this other stuff that a lot of other companies use. They built this studio from the ground up to work remotely. And as kind of a tack-on effect of that, they also are building their game on the same cloud that they built their work structure on. Mm-hmm. And somehow through all of this, they've also managed to cobble together ideas for games, which has impressed PlayStation, which by the way, if you remember... PlayStation's goal is to have, was it 15 games as a service launched by March of 2024? I think something like that. Or was it eight? I can't remember what the number was. It was a large number. It was a big number. It was more more games as a service than we would prefer. Yes, and also more than I think either one of us thought they would actually complete in that amount of time. But something that Haven has done with this technology has made PlayStation, one, say, well, we want to buy you and own you. But also, PlayStation wants that tech that they've built to be shared... Distributed through all their... All of its yeah. teams. First of all, how do you feel about that? Cool. Yeah. I don't know. Like, why There's not? no kind of, if it's not broke, don't fix it feelings coming from this I, for you? I'm sure that there's plenty of stuff broke in Sony's development pipelines of the, in their team. Like, there's, You could always make it better. Yeah. There's one thing I've learned from game development people is it could always be better. And Jade and those people should know what needs to be improved. So, um, I'm just saying, if if a studio like Naughty Dog, you want to not end up in a situation where Naughty Dog needs to give like 20 people a remake of Last of Us Two to do to keep them employed for eight months, like this is how you do it. I'm just saying, like if you have a studio like Naughty Dog that's made these amazing games, or Sony Santa Monica that's made these incredible games with the in-person environment, does it not scare you at all? No. For all these studios to start adopting this remote? No. Nope. No. Not for one second. I agree with you because I think that if Sony didn't think that what Haven built was capable of changing mm-hmm. these studios, it wouldn't push it on these studios. No. So I agree with you. I Sony's think, very conservative about stuff like right. that. Right. I in trust general. Sony to not mess with its first-party studios because 
that's what keeps that's the entire company afloat. Let's be honest. Those mm-hmm. games that those studios make are what makes PlayStation sing. Um, so I agree with you. And it's what's ca- allowing them to make the spearhead into the PC market. Yeah. Which seems to be a focus for their hardware thing now. Again, I, yeah, I, yeah. they doubled down on that this week, saying yep. that they want to be the Nike of of like game accessory heart who cares nobody cares about that just make games and that's so out of character for sony like i know there's i mean i know that's a division that just does that like it's not like they're the game to you know but like like, it's not pulling away developers what a weird thing to say like what a weird goal yeah i I, I was just i didn't know what to do with that you're diversifying in all the wrong ways is what i would argue um so the irony though is that haven has built was built from the beginning with this tech infrastructure to be a remote studio but in this interview with with uh games industry and i would say go to sifted and read the article it has a lot more detail than we're ever going to get into here but in an interview with games industry she also makes an argument for people coming back to work so she talks about trying to hire there was a ringer that they wanted to hire and the guy or girl was like i'm not coming into work Mm -hmm. like if you want to hire me i'm going to be remote 24 7 and I'm never coming into the office. Otherwise, Fair. I'll go work for another studio that will let me do that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, well, look, we, we built this whole thing for that. But she said that he started coming in anyway, or he or she started coming in. And now that person likes working in person where they, and, and she's, it was this subtle, I felt like she was talking to her studio in this interview, honestly, mm-hmm. like saying things that maybe she didn't want to say in an all-hands meeting, to games industry, and knowing that they would all read it and get the hint. Because she started hinting at, well, you know, they were really against it, but then they came in once, and now I'm surprised that I see them in the office all the time. And then she goes on this tirade, not a tirade, but she goes on to explain all the advantages of working in person. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't even know if she's all that tied to that idea, but I think they're tied to the idea because if you give someone the option to right. be able to do that, it makes more. Be, it makes go, choosing to do that your own decision, and that makes it a lot easier to deal with personally. Like, yeah, I, I understand. I would, you know, I would go in more often than not usually, but I like. I would love, you know, it's it's nice if you have a day where you just don't feel like putting up with a commute, or you know, you don't need to be there that day. You can just stay home and do your work at home. Like it, you can give, also save a lot of money not commuting. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that. Every every company should have the option to do that. And like yeah. I think you will find exactly what she said. Like a lot of times people will choose the in office camaraderie or the in office convenience mm-hmm. of of working together in person. But you need to be able to give them the ability to not have to do that at no penalty. Mm-hmm. And if this technology lets you do that at no penalty from a speed or ease of use point of view, great. Yep. Like, that's exactly what you want. Here's here's the quote from Jade about it. Uh, she said, we had a cloud team initially. It was about six people working on new ways to work. Now, we've just welcomed another 21 engineers to focus on long-term cloud innovation because we really believe it's going to be a game changer in terms of how games are made. There have been people talking about these different forms of cloud gaming from the consumer side, such as, quote, can you now play these AAA games on mobile or... Can I now do these different kinds of games, which was the promise of Stadia? But the promise of cloud that we're really focusing on is more what it means to game developers. When you think about the game engines that we have around, they were all built several years ago, and things have changed a lot. Our games have a lot more data. We're making an exclusive for PS5, and it is a live service game, so we have additional challenges of how do we make that that kind of game with that kind of delivery, but with the PlayStation-level graphics that people expect. 
all while allowing those constant updates and building something that could be a living experience. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Like, you got to push a lot more through the pipeline now, and that's going to strain your old methods of sharing things, probably even in-house, let alone remotely. Mm-hmm. So coming up with a new way to handle that is is smart. Well, she said also that after they built that tech that Mark Cerny started sniffing around, basically. Oh, if Cerny starts sniffing around, you know you got something. Uh-huh. And so she also, also uh, shared a quote about that. She said, so Mark Cerny is one of the main reasons we're investing so much in R&D and in this very senior engineering team. It's not just tied to cloud, but also some more forward-thinking R&D. I'm not able to say too much now, but that's obviously one of the other things that's been a big attractor and is exciting to our team with PlayStation. Of course, Mark Cerny is kind of like a rock star, too. So being able to collaborate with him is really exciting. Mark Cerny is kind of like a rock star. Um, and the fact that Jalal is joining, that's the other person that she just hired. There are a lot of bold ideas that we're looking forward to exploring. What could go wrong a when, lot. You have, when you have the man who made Knack on I your I feel team? like a lot could go wrong. I don't think so. No? No. As opposed to what? Like getting Forsaken delayed again? <laughs> I don't know. When I hear stuff like this whole game is built on this cloud structure and blah, 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 it makes me nervous. Well, I, the cloud structure they're talking about seems to be more about development tools, not not the game. Like that sounds. The way I read that was that you're talking about using the cloud to uh, have more powerful and faster ways to work remotely, where you're not waiting for things to to populate or to render or to whatever. And you can instantly different members of the team can instantly access this thing that's been finished, as opposed to waiting for it to upload or what you know, like a Dropbox kind of thing. Um, I don't. I don't think the implication is that all these games are. Like, I don't think like Last Last of Us Three is going to run on the cloud. You, know, like, you don't. No, this is this sounds like they're making the cloud is being used for tools to make the remote working seamless. That's what that's what I read that as. Well, no. So that's that's what she was talking about at first was how she built this environment mm-hmm. to develop games more easily and share more easily. But out of that technology that they built, they've mm-hmm. also built this new engine that runs on the cloud. Right. Well, luckily, because their game. Well, luckily, we're talking about games as a service, and I don't care. So. <laughs> But, I mean, it sounds like this is a big thrust for PlayStation, though. I mean, so, this is what Microsoft is trying to do as well. Like, that was the idea of, like, oh, you know, remember that? With I mean, that was more Xbox One thing before they had to backpedal and change how the DRM was going to work and all that. But that was a big thing. It was like, oh, the, you know, Crackdown 3, only possible because of the cloud. Right. Only the cloud could do the... And, like, Crackdown 3 came out and it didn't <laughs> use the cloud and it ran offline just fine. It was kind of crappy. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's precedent for the cloud thing not working, but the, the, the cloud thing hasn't worked very well because no one's ever actually gotten it to, like, fruition. Um, if they can do that, like, that would be interesting to see. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I still don't fully understand how that... I mean, it sounds like they're taking some kind of lesson from, like, what she thinks Stadia did well without the business model disaster that yeah. was Stadia. Yeah, I get that vibe, too, kind of. Um, the question always, be- of course, always becomes, especially in 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 light of this with this thing with Ubisoft this week, where they're shutting down all the online DLC access for the you know the 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 PC versions of the Assassin's Creed games and stuff. Like, if part of this game runs on the cloud, does that mean years down the road, when they shut down that part of it, will that game no longer be playable? Right. That's that was what I was going to get at next. Is that that's the fear mm-hmm. for me? If you now, build these games on these cloud structures, right now, to how me, do you ever archive those games? Now, to, now, you, they, I mean, same way you you archive an online game, you don't. 
Um, yeah, they're gone. Yeah, so so like if you're talking about them doing games as a service like that, if you're talking about like them doing like a Destiny game. Yeah, Destiny one day, Destiny two will be unplayable one day because the, the servers will shut down in the same way that like. I can't play City of Heroes right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I sure would like to play City of Heroes, frankly, but I can't play City of Heroes. Yeah. Unless, apparently, there's a secret private server somewhere that works. But like, you know, generally, you cannot play MMOs once they're dead. You cannot play online games once they're dead. That is just a fact of life. This and is why I brought up. If you start making if God of War, about- if you start making God of War three on the cloud, and like God of War three one day will no longer be. I don't think they would do that. But like, it sounds like you just use that for. Some kind of like, you but know, why would they thing. do that for Jade's game? You know what I'm because saying? Because it's a game as a service. Yeah, it's gonna have an online component. It's gonna be maybe all online. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We gotta wait and see what these things are and what Sony defines as a game as a service. You know, I would, you know, theoretically, you could define like just a single player game that happens to have like a gotcha pawn element as a game as a service, right? Mm-hmm. Even though if you could play it without using the microtransactions at all, you could still call that a game as a service. It depends how broad Sony's definition is. My guess is Sony's definition is something Bungie would make. You know, an yeah. online only, which is why or it bought Bungie in the first place right. was to help with building structures. Yeah. For games not, like both this. of these acquisitions seem to have been very tech centered. Does it not seem weird to you that fifteen or ten? I don't, I don't think anyone in chat ever tracked down the number of live service games that Sony. I, I keep targeting. thinking it was ten. The more I think about, it, I feel like the number was ten. Okay, so if it's ten, it, and it, we're still not sure if they're counting games that already they already put out, or if like they would count like. Um, the Last of Us multiplayer mode, which seems to be a I think that probably thing. Does I would imagine count that would count, yeah. right? Yeah. I think it does, yeah. I think that's what they're talking about. Yeah. And I think it was from that point mm-hmm. forward was the, that number of games before March of 2024. Mm-hmm. It, does, it doesn't It does bother you that there could be 10 games, first-party PlayStation games, that may only last three years and then they're gone forever if they're built on this cloud structure? I mean, not if they're multiplayer focused, because I won't care. No, I'm just saying. Think about other people, though. Don't like, care the industry in general. Yeah. Hmm. Sony supports that stuff for a while. Yeah. Um. I mean, Uncharted, like, well, Uncharted Three just shut down not too long ago. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like, I, I don't find find those particularly compelling, so I don't really care. Um. If, if you start doing stuff like, you know, and even if it's just a component, I'll, you know, like, I don't really care that I can't play the co-op ver- mode in Mass Effect Three anymore. You know, like it, it's just it doesn't I don't it doesn't matter. It's there's plenty of games where I can run around and shoot aliens and robots. Like there's not a lot of games I can go play that Mass Effect story, but I can still do that. Um, it doesn't bother me that that part was cut out of the Mass Effect Definitive uh, Legendary Edition or anything. Like I don't, it's just not a thing that matters to me. I understand the need, the want, the desire to preserve things like that, but it doesn't matter to me. But can't you see that the industry is kind of heading that way? That like all the best-selling games, the games that generate the most revenue, are those games. Sure, but like I'm never going to want to play them again. So. Yeah, but it should still matter to you because the health of the industry still matters to you. Health of the industry doesn't have anything to do with whether someone can play Apex Legends in 2020, 2040. It's not just Apex Legends though. What if it's all of them? Like this, then, then the, you don't think this is a dangerous the, precedent that's being set here? No. Not unless they start making all games work like that in terms of giving them all like a limited shelf life, which in which case it doesn't matter either because it would suck. It would be anti-consumer. It would be a, a situation where you wouldn't be able to go back and play classic games or whatever. But like, uh, you know what? They'd still be putting out new games and most people wouldn't care because most people don't go back and play old games. Yeah. And if you did want to if you did want to <laughs> go back and play old games, you know what they do? They just remake them and put them on the cloud a different way. And yeah. then you buy them again and you play them again. That might be what the ultimate goal is there. You want to talk about 
oh, it's a cash grab that they are, they remade Last of Us 1 from the ground up so soon. Well, what, maybe that's the plan. Boy, that, that story caught fire on Sifted this week. Yeah. Holy crap. Most commented story we've had in months was the developer who worked on The Last of Us remake, whatever the hell you want to call it. That's it's a remake. It's a remake. There's no other way to call it. Saying that. that it's not a cash grab. Boy, that <laughs> it really generated some fire on Sifted. I wouldn't call it a cash grab Yeah, at all. I don't even really care because no. there's young people who weren't old enough to play the last one yeah. when it came or out. Or if you're a fan and you want it, like I'm gonna buy it. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I wish it wasn't seventy dollars, but I wish all the play- fucking PlayStation Five games were seventy dollars. So yeah. that's just how. My it bigger is. concern is having really talented people working on redundant projects. I'd they have already have... established that those people were were going to be laid off if this didn't happen, and now they will simply transition to another project. Who that established isn't. that? Naughty Dog. They, they, outright, oh, really? they outright said they would have laid those people off if they... That's why that project exists. I did not see that quote. That was around the time they announced they fully revealed it. was like, they were like, yeah, otherwise we would these people wouldn't have had jobs for a while. Really? Yeah. Was, I didn't see that It was at a all. project they were able to put a bunch of people on that then, that then got to work on that, and when that's done, they'll transition to another project that's ready for it. Them. I had never saw. If someone could find that quote and link it in chat, that was that who would be said. Awesome. That. I, th- I want to say Druckman said that. I don't remember in the flurry of interviews after the, the sort of the fake E3 Sony the Sony thing. Yeah, like I remember him. He said like basically these guys had you know this small team basically we, we were able to come up with a way for them to keep working and having jobs as opposed to laying them off until we were able to rehire them. I completely missed that somehow. So this was not taking away anything from a new project. It was just like this was a thing that, that they figured out they could do in kind of the gap between projects, mm. and that's cool. If that's the case, I'm totally down with that. If it kept people employed. I did not see that quote. Yeah, though. I mean, I don't know how many people kept employed. It seems like a pretty small team. Yeah, I doubt that team is very big at all. I wouldn't think it would need to be that. But again, they did rebuild everything from the ground up. You would need some pretty good... You know, redoing all Artists. the cutscenes from the original... Also redoing all the cutscenes from the original mocap. Like, that's a that's a pretty big job. Yeah. It probably not was as big as building a game from scratch. I mean, you almost are... Really? Like, you're building everything. You, you, you have a template to work from, but everybody has... You, you have concept Oh, you have art. way more than that. You have everything. You have all the art. You have you all the characters. Do the you have work. the whole script. You have the how the everything's shot. You have everything. You still got to do all the work. You can tweak it all. You got to do all the work from the ground up. That's that's big. That's you're just great. tweaking what's you're there You're not tweaking already. anything. You're making something from scratch. You no. have the blueprints, no, but not. you still got to build the house. No, you're not. Yes, you are. You're... you're... <laughs> okay. And we'll move on. <laughs> that's insane to think that that's... It's the same amount of work as building a game from nothing. That's crazy. It's not the same amount of work, but it is a lot of work. It is yeah. not some simple thing. Well, it I think not... you can have a team about a third of the size and work on it for 18 months, and probably that's enough. I don't think you... I think you need a team about half the size. Especially if you're going to redo all the cutscenes from the original mocap, like the things, you, the things you're saving effort on and the things you're saving manpower and time on are the, are the writing, which is only like three people, uh... The acting, the record, you know, all that, all that stuff you've already got done. Oh, the, sure. All the audio, but everything. Changing all that and putting that all in and rebuilding every environment from the ground up. I mean, even if you have the blueprint there, you still have to make it. It's not automatic. It's not just you. Don't, you know, it's not. It's not like the Academy thought because I have this on my mind because it was forty. You know, fortieth anniversary of Tron just went by. Yeah. And if we, as you remember, Tron was disqualified for a visual effects Oscar nomination because the Academy thought you just told the computer what you wanted the picture to look like and hit the button and it made the movie that's, well that's really stupid which yeah but because people <laughs> I mean, don't understand how that shit worked back then i mean they, they, they should understand how that works well they didn't because no one was around to explain it to them <laughs> they didn't pathetic. understand <laughs> uh, yeah I, I i'm not i don't think it's a i mean what is your definition of a cash grab like a cheap ass thing i mean if they, if they were gonna just like slap the remaster that already existed on PS4 onto PC and also release it under the guise of, oh, we, we 4K'd it. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And so the PC version is now the available as a PS5 version of Last of Us One. That would be a cash grab to me, especially if you priced it at seventy bucks. Yeah. Um, the pricing is yeah, seventy and bucks. I, I, is, I also, is an issue I very, <laughs> I very, very much believe that this was this this had uh, the PC version in mind as well because Probably. I think if you just slap the PS4 remaster of Last of Us One on the PC and call it the PC version, the PC market's going to be like fuck you, like yeah. that's going to seem lazy to them. So I think, and in this case, in this case, you end up with a version of the of the original game that can stand up next to the second game in mm-hmm. terms of production quality and visual quality. And how the characters look and that kind of thing, I, and I think that's a good thing to have going forward because clearly they're going to do another one. Yeah. And one day you want to sell that trilogy pack, and they all better kind of stand up next to each other. So I'm very interested to see how much has changed. Now I know they put out that trailer that showed a couple things. Mm-hmm. I when the rubber hits the road and you're playing a 15 hour game, I'm very interested to see exactly how much of that. So game am has I. I really think it's probably not going to be as much as some people i think it's going to be a drastically different experience we'll see because they're going to incorporate I hope you're right because they're incorporating the gameplay elements and the combat i can't play elements. that game anymore yeah it's it's it's, <laughs> it's it, it feels unplayable. archaic i yeah. mean it feels archaic in, yeah. especially compared to the second one if they just bring the second one's gameplay elements in and you have to tweak environments to make that combat work from the second one in the first one you know i think it's going to be surprisingly different i hope you're right um it's going to be very so. interesting to play it's also going to be very interesting to see what it sells yeah, I'm very interested in the sales numbers for that. There's going to be a whole new generation of players who never played the original when it came out. Yeah. So that's why I don't think it's a cash grab. There's all these new people no, who not. need to buy it. And why not give them the best version of the game possible? Totally get that. Yeah, okay. if that's a cash grab, then what's like how many times you're going to release Persona? Yeah. You know, stuff yeah. like that. Like that's not any I mean, there's tons difference. of publishers that are guilty of doing the same thing. Oh, Nintendo sure. completely re-released the whole Wii U catalog like Oh yeah, every every Nintendo <laughs> retro th- I mean, what the, the I mean, those really were yeah. cash grabs oh, cuz yeah. they did very little work Let's talk about the Super Mario 3D collection. Right. Yeah, how low exactly. low effort that shit was. Or even like the virtual console stuff where they're like didn't even work taking right. these crappy versions that they yeah. So, it's didn't not... even put an invert Y on the on Mario so, like come on. Yep. Come on. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's move on to our last topic of today's show. And I wanted to end the show. Put some effort in that Metroid Prime thing, guys. (laughs) That's rumored to still be this year. It is rumored, yeah. Um, I wanted to end the show on a positive note because I played a game this week that I was very pleasantly surprised by. And it has maybe the dumbest name ever in the history of video games. I've never even heard of this. I thought you might have been talking about some event I didn't know about or something. No, no. It is a game, and it's called Arcade Geddon. Again, the dumbest name for a video game ever. That sounds like... That sounds like a video game tournament from a movie in the 80s. It does. Well, the whole the premise of the game is, and it's like one of those games that breaks the fourth wall or whatever. Uh, it's developed by Ilphonic, which is the same studio that made the Friday the 13th games. They also made that kind of crappy Predator game. Friday the 13th was kind of crappy, too. Mm-hmm. So I had very low expectations coming Friday into this Friday the game. 13th, to be fair, had a lot of issues behind yeah. the scenes. Like yeah. that was they, they got screwed by the licensers. By the licensors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, this game is like night and day compared to those other two games that Ilphonic has made. It has actually been in PC Early Access a year now. So it's been available on PC, albeit in unfinished form. It just released for all consoles, and then version 1.0 for PC launched on the same day. Um, you basically, the whole gist of the game is that you're trying to save an arcade, um, a mega corporation called the Fun Funco, the FFC. Uh-huh. is um, absorbing independent arcades in the game's futuristic city. And Gillies, the arcade that you're trying to save, is the last one standing. So the owner creates a game called Arcade Geddon to draw on business, but it attracts the attention of the FFC, 
which installs a virus into the game in order to take it over. And you are basically inside the game trying to fight the virus and save Gilly's arcade. And that's pretty much the premise. I will say this, after the initial cutscenes, there's not a lot of cinematics after that that kind of carry the story forward. Huh. Eventually you are in this kind of hub area that's like littered with characters that you meet and they're all pretty cool and they all have kind of stories that they're telling, but it doesn't necessarily really move the story forward. Um, this game is a rogue light game. I'm not 100% sure if the levels are randomly generated, but it looks like they could be. But if they are, it has to be the best random generation in the history of gaming because the levels do feel like they were hand-built. I never went into a level and got into one of those awkward situations where you reach like a dead end or you get to a part of the level where it's not it's like not populated with enemies or anything interesting. If they are in fact generating this game on the fly, they're doing a really damn good job of it. Um, I guess if I had to describe this game in a sentence, I would say, well, the lower third kind of says it all. It's Left for Neon. It's like Left for Dead set in this crazy, I wouldn't call it cyberpunk. And in fact, the one thing I like about this game's art is that it's kind of indescribable. I feel like... Thematically, that's it's cyberpunk. Is it? Like, I mean, yeah, like... You know, a technologically advanced dystopia controlled by a corporate or governmental okay. you know, it does fit government power and a bunch of people like fighting against the power by rebelling and and you know trying to save the little guy. Like yeah, that's that's absolutely cyberpunk. Okay. In terms thematically, I mean aesthetically, it can be anything. Yeah, yeah, aesthetically, it's I feel like there's something that has looked like this game before, and I cannot put my finger on it. Everything it reminds me of those like retro wave like synth wave racing games that a little that bit pop up all the time. I like it. I love the look of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, there's tons of customization. And that way, it's it, it feels almost like a free-to-play game, but it's not. This game actually costs $30 if you decide to buy it. But it is if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber right now, it is free. If you're at the basic level. There's, there's a weird level of uh, like Jet Set Radio to it. Jet Set Radio. And it also reminds me, like you can't hear it, but it also reminds me of Splatoon. It has the characters are very weird and quirky and offbeat and like the the noises that they use for their voices it it gives me a bit of a Splatoon vibe but again it's really hard for me to put my finger on what this game reminds me of which is a good thing it's really hard to do that anymore Matt like because we've seen so much and every it's the law of diminishing returns with every new game that's released that's one style that another game can't use so it becomes more and more difficult to come up with new concepts and new looks. Um, but anyway, the objective is supposed to be you're saving the arcade, but once you start playing the game, that all that, to me, it felt like it just kind of disappeared. Um, you can play it by yourself, or you can play it cooperatively with up to three other players. Um, as I said, there's a hub littered with characters that you complete missions for. If you complete their tasks, you're rewarded with power tokens and other rewards. Power tokens unlock plugins which basically are like these things that you install in your character to give your character puffs and or puffs perks and buffs <laughs> <laughs> puffs and surge abilities which are basically special attacks um those operate on a cooldown and you can have two of those installed at a time which is cool so you have like basically two specials that you can use and you go on runs just like any roguelite game each attempt rewards you with xp and tickets XP levels up your character, though you don't really have any say in how the attributes are increased. It just happens. And then tickets are a currency that are used for purchasing cosmetics. Um, 
as your run goes on, you pick up buffs on your own. So there's loot everywhere. There's boxes that you can burst. There's chests that you can open. And a lot of times those will spew out things that you can pick up that will kind of like Returnal that will build up your character over the long haul. Um, so as your run goes on, you become more powerful. It makes it a little easier for you to deal with the foes in in the levels. Um, back in the hub, you can customize your avatar. You can buy outfits. You can unlock and assign the passive buffs and the specials. The cool part is as you use weapons, they level up. And then they become unlocked for your default loadout. Meaning, so if you find a gun that you really like and you use it, once it gets to a certain point of usage, when you go to start a run over... Right here, you're seeing it right now, actually. the timing It's all timing out perfectly. You can choose what weapons you start as. Right here, this is the beginning of the game. So I only have one weapon that I can choose. But now I have all three of them. So when I start any run, I can choose three weapons to start the run with, which is great. Um, and that's another way it kind of works like Returnal. Like as you play it, you your character is permanently leveling up. So you fail a run, you go back you still actually achieve something that will help you on the next run that will be there forever, basically. Now, this looks like Fortnite to me. A little bit. Yeah, it's got a little bit of Fortnite in it, for sure. Um, as you watch the B-roll, though, I think your mind will change on that, though, over time. Um, uh, let's see what else. I lost my, my point in my notes here. Oh. Um, the weapons in this are awesome. There's one weapon... It, this just let you know that this lets you know how awesome the weapons are in this. I found one that I didn't like. One out of I don't know how many there are, probably dozens of weapons, I'm guessing, maybe 20, 25. There's one weapon that I found that was a machine gun that froze enemies, and I I hated that. Every other weapon in this is awesome. And as again, as you use it, it will become more powerful in the in the level and will start having elemental things that attach to it. So you can pick up these little like tags that will attach to your weapon that all of a sudden this weapon that was just an explosive weapon before, now all of a sudden it electrocutes enemies, or now all of a sudden it will freeze the enemies, or now all of a sudden it just vaporizes all the enemies in front of you. It is all extremely satisfying. The, the gunplay in this game feels great. The, the haptic feedback in the DualSense controller on the PS5 is amazing. It's different for every weapon. It makes every weapon feel completely different. Um... The, con the combat in this game feels great. You have a double jump. You have a slide mechanic. Um, the people that you talk to back in the hub, they will give you a main mission to accomplish, but they will also give you a set of like submissions, like kill 10 enemies with a slide or kill 10 enemies with a pistol or anything like things like that. They give you extra bonus objectives that you can accomplish in addition to the main objectives. Um, what else do I have? One, one criticism that I do have is that the mission and enemy variety are lacking. Um, you don't say. Yeah, there's only, I don't know, there's probably like six enemy types in the game, I'm guessing. Um, and then there's only like three or four different mid, like mid-mission types. Um, there's one, like a horde mode will just start out of nowhere. It'll just say survive, and there'll be a meter that'll appear. You have to wait till the meter ticks down. You have to survive until the meter is done. Um... There are nodes that appear that you have to destroy. Sometimes they just ask you to kill a certain number of enemies. Um, sometimes there are control points that move across the map, and you have to defend the control point while it's moving across the map. And then there are boss battles, which are, oddly enough, they're optional. So once you get to a certain point, this node will appear in the map, and you have to destroy the node to enter the boss fight. Now, the one thing I will say is that any player can do it, which is kind of annoying. So if you don't feel like getting entering a boss fight... 
and one of the people that you're playing with is like, I do want to do it, and they enter that boss fight, it sucks everybody into the boss fight. Hmm. So in that way, like, one player has a lot of control over everything, and that actually happens again. So the way the game is built is in biomes. That's what they call them, that are snapped together. And so you'll play through a couple biomes, and then you'll get to, like, the mid-level, like, room where you can buy new ammo, you can buy new weapons, but you can also change the difficulty there. And that is another element of this game where one player can be like, I want it to be more difficult and change the difficulty and there's nothing the other players can do about it. <laughs> Which, most of the time, it, it's not that big a deal, but every once in a while, you'll get somebody who just jacks it up like four levels and then immediately goes into a boss fight and like you can't beat the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you die in this game, people can revive you if you're playing with somebody else. But if you die and no one revives you and everybody dies, you have what's called continue tokens and everybody votes on whether they want to continue or not. Um, so if you've failed the run, you and everybody else you're playing with gets to vote with their continue tokens on whether to continue or not or go back and start the whole run over. And as you play, you earn extra continue tokens sometimes. Like there was, there was one time where I was the only one left who had a continue token and I was able to be the only person that voted to continue and the match continued. Um, but it is an interesting system and how they set it up. And for the most part, it is a democracy, but just those two instances where just one person can kind of take everything over for all the other players. Um, there there are four different bosses that I ended up fighting throughout this the, the time that I spent playing the game, but you never know which one you're going to get. It's just the node that you use to go to the boss fight always looks the same, and you don't know which boss you're going to fight until you get to the boss fight and they introduce the boss. Um... Most of the boss fights aren't too challenging, but I believe three of the four have a second stage. And obviously, like most games, they get more difficult in the second stage. Um, What else do I have on this game? As far as the level construction and and the generating the levels on the fly, there appear to be like five or six different tile sets. So the levels do get a little repetitive. Um, but it, I'll say this, it is refreshing when you get to a new one. You're like, oh, I'm in the spooky tile set now instead of the jungle tile set that I've been playing on for the last like hour or whatever. Uh, but again, the way the game designs the levels on the fly, it's pretty impressive, man. Like I never felt like I was in a crappy level where things didn't make sense. And I played this game a lot. Um, what else? Yeah, the other part of the game, too, like any other game where you're playing with other people and it's loot-driven, there is an element of the first person gets a lot of the best stuff. This is another one of those games where the loot that pops, pops for everybody. Mm. And so if you don't get there in time, everyone will take all the good stuff and you're kind of left with the scraps, which is not something I'm a big fan of in any game, to be honest with you. Um, Because sometimes you're out of ammo. You run out of ammo a lot in this game. That's one thing I should have mentioned when I was talking about the combat. You're always kind of watching your ammo and trying to find new ammo. There are some weapons that, like, if you take them into a boss fight, once you go through your ammo, you never get any more. So that's one of the reasons why you may not want to get sucked into a boss fight, because you have a weapon that you'll never get ammo for in the boss fight. That happened to me several times, where I was like, wait a minute, I have this crappy gun, and I get sucked into the boss fight, and I have to use, like, a pea shooter for, like, 90% of the boss fight, because I unload my clip from my good gun in the first, like, two minutes of the fight or whatever, and you're just kind of stuck with, like, your crappy weapon that you have left. So it's not perfect. The other thing I want to bring up is the audio in this game is absolutely incredible. In fact, I am earmarking this game for if we include a sound category in our Game of the Year awards this year because this is awesome. The music in this game 
it almost defies description. You have to realize I am like an electronic music aficionado. I know every genre of electronic music, every sub-sub-genre of electronic music, and I cannot put my finger on the music in this. Now, a lot of it is bass-heavy, and some people might generically call it dubstep. I think if I had to pick one genre most people know that it's most closely to, it probably would be dubstep, but it's not dubstep at all. And not only the music and the sound effects and everything all work perfectly together. It's hard to put into words how all the different parts of this game come together to create this satisfying whole. But this game sucked me in and I played it literally like two days straight. I, when I stopped playing last night, I was player, I was ranked player 540 out of like 400,000 or something like that. That just shows you how this game got me wrapped up and I got totally addicted to it and played the crap out of it. Now I will say this, I feel like I'm kind of done with it. Like I've seen kind of, I've like I said, I'm ranked 540 out of like 400,000. I've seen most of the game at this point, and I got to it in like two days of playing. Now, I'll say this, like if a lot of it depends on who you hook up with. If you hook up with good players who understand the game and understand how to maximize their time playing the game, you can see a lot of the game pretty quickly. If you're kind of fumbling around in the dark with a bunch of other noobs, it's not quite that way. Um... But I was fortunate, particularly the people I played with yesterday. A lot of them had been playing for a while. They were way higher ranked than me. And they they actually kind of showed me the ropes a little bit, in all honesty, and kind of showed me how you can get through a lot of the game in a much quicker time than I was uh, I was spending beforehand. Um, but again, it costs 30 bucks. It's available for pretty much everything except Switch. It seems like this game would work great on Switch, and it should be able to run on Switch, too, for the most part. But it's not available for Switch yet. It may be coming eventually. And it does cost 30 bucks, and that seems a little high to me. And it does feel like a free-to-play game, so there's cosmetics that you can buy with the currency that you earn in the game. And I'll be honest with you, like, you earn so much currency just playing the game that I never thought about, even for a second, spending real money on currency. But there is a whole other store just for people who are willing to spend hmm. real money on cosmetics and blah, well, blah, blah. Here's a little explanation for the music thing I found. Okay. Uh Ilphonic CEO Charles Brungart is a Grammy-winning producer with an extensive musical background, primarily in hip-hop and electronic trap. There you go. Thus, Arcade Geddon boasts a deep soundtrack of futuristic hip-hop beats, some composed by him himself, as well as licensed music from artists such as Getter, Yuzi, Fook, Halogenics, Milano, South, and Swirly, several of the tracks composed for the game itself. Yeah. It's amazing. So, yeah, there's some pedigree there. Yeah, it's which I guess explains why that company is called Ilphonic. Ilphonic, it does. Yeah, mm. but it doesn't come out in their other games. That's the crazy no, part. No, it really doesn't. No, this feels like maybe this is Ilphonic Unleashed. Yeah, I'm telling you, the music in this it, it defies description, and it fits the sound effects. Everything, the sound effects feel like they're a part of the music. Like the whole auditory package is cohesive. It's hard to explain until you play it, and once. Everything starts exploding, and the guns are going boom. It just all snaps together perfectly. I am surprised there aren't more people talking about this game. Like, we have hardly any coverage of it on Sifted. Like, hardly at all. I think we have five total pieces of content around this game on the site. And it's been available in early access on PC for a year. Hmm. I've never heard of it before. Yeah. As I said earlier, it is if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, it is free this month. Go download it right now. I guarantee you... If you even kind of like games like this, meaning 
four-player cooperative shooters where you have like a safe house in between each each stage. Left for Dead, basically. You're going to like this game, and you're probably going to get as hooked as I do until you run out of content. Now, I don't know when more content is coming for this game. It seems like it took them a while to get this amount of stuff ready, but I did feel like I wrung it pretty dry in a couple days of heavy playing. Um, but I highly recommend this game, particularly for people who maybe just got back for blood and were disappointed in it uh, because it felt maybe too familiar to Left 4 Dead or World War Z or any of the other cooperative zombie shooters. This is the same framework with a completely different aesthetic, completely different tone, and a completely different vibe, and in my opinion, superior on pretty much every front. I will play this 10 times before I play Back for Blood again. I just will. It just, it appeals to me more. I mean, just it, the fact that you're not fighting zombies. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'll say it again. The enemy variety is definitely lacking in this. They it, The game in general needs more enemies. Realistically, there's probably 10 different enemy types that you do fight over and over again. And you do start to learn like which weapons work on specific enemies. And there's that whole kind of angle to it, which gives it a little bit of depth. But at the end of the day, you still are kind of fighting the same enemy types over and over. Now they'll have like different colored ones that may have slight different behaviors or maybe one will have a shield later on in the game when it didn't have a shield earlier in the game but for the most part it does the enemies do get a little bit repetitive in this game but i enjoyed the hell out of it i had a ton of fun with it it's called arcade geddon you can pay 30 bucks for it i would not pay 30 dollars for it this is a 20 25 dollar game to me but if you're a playstation plus subscriber it is free go download it right now i do not think that you will be disappointed do you have any questions about the game, Matt? Not really. Seems Will you play the game, Matt? Not really. Um, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I like the aesthetic. I like what they're going for. It's just not the kind of game I am gonna, you know, because I know I'm gonna. I'd play it by myself, and I'd hit a point where I couldn't really get any further because it's supposed to be multiplayer, and then I'd just be annoyed. And that I'm glad that. you brought that up. Actually, that's something that I forgot to mention. What it's like playing the game by yourself. You can see all this B-roll was me playing by myself. Yeah. None of this has been cooperative. Um. And it's doable by yourself. The boss fights is where the rubber hits the road. Mm -hmm. So I got to the boss right here. I'm, this is what I was talking about. Here's the boss fight right here. I fought him twice, and I got to where he had like a pixel of health left both times and died. They've, I'll be honest with you, they have balanced it pretty well. Um, whether you play it by yourself. Now, I'll say this. It's maybe a little too easy when you play with other characters, but playing by yourself, I think it's very well balanced, honestly. Um, probably better balanced than it is for cooperative. I was We were kind of breezing through the game when I started playing with like other players who have been playing it for a while. Single player, it's a, the boss fights are a real challenge, for sure. Um, so I, you know, even if you're not interested in playing with others, this game is worth investigating. Again, especially if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, you can get it for free. If you don't want to play with others, that's cool. You can play this by yourself. All this B-roll that you've been watching this whole time was me playing by myself. So it's definitely doable. It is harder than if you play with other people, but that's kind of true of a lot of cooperative games, I think. Yeah. Um, it seems to be playing I mean, by yourself. Harder is... to, to impossible in right. many cases. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Arcade Geddon. I recommend it at 20 to 25 bucks. I guarantee you, if you download it for free with your PlayStation Plus subscription, you will not complain about the time that you spent playing the game. It's always nice to get some pleasant surprises, Matt. Mm -hmm. um, this year, we could have used more of them because <laughs> we've had some really dry spells. It was nice to find this game mm -hmm. and enjoy playing it because I'm like at the point now where like I didn't really resonate with Call of Duty Vanguard. I am 
I think I have just officially reached my breaking point with Rocket League. I don't think I'm going to play it anymore. I think I'm done. I just can't. I can't tolerate. You get to a certain level of playing a game where you know how things are supposed to work and what people are supposed to be doing, and when they don't do it, it's very frustrating. And that's where I'm at with Rocket League. Mm-hmm. Like I, you, when you, and you, you get matched with people who are terrible. There's nothing you can do about it. And it's just this seesaw. Oh, I'm platinum. Now I'm gold. Now I'm platinum. Now I'm gold. It's like I either win 15 matches in a row or I lose 15 matches in a row. And I've just gotten sick of it. So I'm trying right now to find a new daily driver, honestly. Like uh, that game that I always have that I pick up and play for 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there. So I've been doing a lot of experimenting this year. And unfortunately, for the most part, that is not born any fruit however with this game i finally feel like i may have found something if they can keep adding content at a decent clip um so i really enjoyed it i hope you guys do too i think we're all kind of looking for something to play right now like it is just the doldrums like stray's coming it is but my guess is that game's gonna be like eight hours long or something and it'll be gone who knows but that's just my guess i don't need much more than that to be honest like, yeah uh, but i do like i need i always need a game that i'm playing just in the background is this thing that i use to suck up whatever little free time that i actually have um and right now i didn't feel like i had one as i'm waning with rocket league and uh so maybe i found it with this and the other thing i would say too is just maybe i got lucky but the community in this game has been awesome so far like as far as like helping people along and like even if they don't chat they will do like the emotes with the guns and stuff to try to tell you, like, give you hints on how to do things the right way and how to play it the right way. So I've I've had good luck with the community so far. I've had good luck with the game. No glitches, no bugs, no crashes, or anything like that. Again, a great byproduct of being in early access for a year before you release it. So um, I really enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully you guys do too. Uh, Fire Native says I can't fly. That's why I quit Rocket League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here, here's here's another thing I a problem I have with Rocket League is that you get the people who are on your team who are trying to learn how to fly. And instead of mm. going to training mm. and learning how to fly in training, they're trying to learn how to fly in ranked games. It's like, okay, <laughs> even if you don't want to do it in training, go play casual, dude, and learn how to fly in casual. Don't ruin my rank because you're in the like they're just ignoring the ball. It's like the ball comes at them and they just fly like 90 yards out into space. It's like, and then they, the other team scores. I've just reached the end of all of it, of all of it. Then you get the toxic players who are spamming like the chat or they have a microphone. They're yelling crap in, the, in your ear the whole game and they suck. I or just, just playing the most generic hip hop in their bedroom. Right. It's like it's an excellent it's an excellent simulation of what it was like to live in my dorm sophomore year. Yeah. But like I'd rather not revisit that really. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So anyway, I am still looking for that daily driver. If any of you guys have any suggestions, maybe you guys have a daily daily driver that you found, um, put it in the comments below, either on Sifted or on YouTube, wherever you're watching the show. Um, and while you're at it, add me on PSN or Xbox Live. I'm Dinfire everywhere. Um, and maybe we can get together and play. But I am definitely looking for that now. Um, Schneeky says, join me in Fortnite no build mode if you need something. Okay. That was my problem with Fortnite. And I would also equate flying in Rocket League to building in Fortnite. It's that extra layer of skill mm-hmm. that the really good players have that other players don't have. And getting over that. It's sort of like knowing the frame data in a fighting yeah, game. It is. Same deal. Yep. Same thing. Um, and like one thing 
to your point about like when you couldn't fly, you quit. I get it because once you get into the platinum ranks of Rocket League, if you don't fly, you'll never touch the ball mm-hmm. because the ball is being played way higher off the court. And if you can't get up there and accurately play the ball, you're just the dude on the ground chasing the ball all the time. <laughs> and that will force you to either learn how to fly or to quit playing Rocket League like you said you did. So I totally get that. Um, but again, if any of you guys have games that you play regularly that I haven't talked about on Game Face that I haven't given a, a good try to, let me know, and maybe we can jump in and play together. Uh, and with that, it's time for everybody's favorite, Name That Game. Once again, I am so supremely confident that I'll make it to the third inning. You screwed me up this week on my Guess the Game uh, Wordle-style thing. How come? Because uh, the game that came up uh, was uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, and I, kn- and <laughs> no I knew way. it. I knew it by the second or third screenshot. But I'm like, it can't be that. They just did that. What one. are the chances? And it oh, wasn't them. It was, it was you. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, and finally I'm like, that has to be Dragon Age Inquisition. Why would they do it a second time? I go, it wasn't a second time because that was just guess the game. That was name that game. Caver brought up Neon White. Have you tried that yet, Matt? No. The speedrunning game, the crazy speedrunning game? No. I think we may be talking about that in next week's show, actually. That game it has caught my eye. Mm. So I may give that a whirl for next week's episode. It's a game built around speedrunning. Yeah, I, I can't think Have of Have you any- checked it out at all? Have you seen like, trailers I've seen for trailers. It? Okay. I, just, I can't think of anything I'm less interested in <laughs> than that. I want to give it a whirl just because it's kind of a thing, and I feel like I need to know I mean, I can try it because there's, the, the there's nothing else to play, really, but, like, oh, boy, I can't, I can't imagine <laughs> something I would want to do less than speedrun something. Yeah. Well, I think you can just play it if you want to, but it's been designed so that it's easy to speedrun as far right. as its structure and stuff. So I, I think I'll give it a go. It, it, it just looks like the same kind of flashy style over substance game that I just don't care about most yeah. of the time. And I thought it was multiplayer the first time I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, it looks it, like it looks like it would be. It yeah. looks like it, but I guess it's not. not. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jam Rain says I will continue to play Elden Ring with you. I don't know yeah. going there. <laughs> I think that ship has sailed. I think I've I think I've given Elden Ring all I've got. <laughs> I, and I did give it all I had. Um, not Cirque says DNF Duel. That's a fighting game from Arc System Works. Yes. That came out that maybe we should give a spin for next week's show as well. Yeah, I could do that. Yep. So we'll see. We're always working for you guys to make sure we have a bunch of good, exciting stuff on Game Face. Okay. As I said, it's time for Name That Game. And for those of you who haven't played before, I'm going to show you a series of screenshots. And it's your job to guess the name of the game. You're playing against Matt. You guys win all ties. If Matt guesses the name of the game correctly, I look over at the chat. If the correct name of the game pops up in the next beat or two, you guys will get the win. The first person to guess the name of the game gets a free video game. And I once again want to send out a big thanks to SJD Swanland, who just sent me another batch of free game codes. And these are good games. Like, I'm surprised at the stuff that he's given away. You should appreciate him and thank him in chat if you can. I don't even know if he's in the chat. I haven't seen him say anything yet today. Uh, But he just sent me another batch of games, which gives us more stuff to give away to you guys for Name That Game. I see some people subscribing with Twitch Prime. I'll get those in now so I don't forget them. Mega Drive Guy, thank you. And The Legacy, thank you. Um, Okay, Vincent, set it up on slow mode. Oh, it's been on slow mode. Okay, so the chat is on slow mode, which means in the past, people would just spam game names. And eventually, people would get them right. So to circumvent that... It's on slow mode. You can only send out one guess. Is it every 30 seconds or 60 every seconds? Every minute. You only get one guess a minute. So make sure it counts. Don't just go spamming names of games. Also, if you've won this this year, 
Do not play. Some of you guys are really good at this, and you guys have already won, and you've already got your free game. Let's let other people win. I know it's tough. Bite your tongue. Do not, like, go in and, like, give the name of the game in the chat. I will be really pissed if you do that. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> don't do it. We don't want to ban you from chatting on Game Face. That might be what happens if you do that. So here we go. We're ready for the first screenshot for Name That Game for episode 307. Here we go. Uh huh. Hoping we make it past the first screenshot. I really think we might make it to the third one this time at least. We'll see. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, did someone get it? Yes! Quantum Break? Yes! Wow. It's Quantum first, Break. First time chat. You know, they didn't win before. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Although Mitchell is, I don't know if he, everyone's answering it now. I don't know if they saw his, his already. But wow. That's incredible. Mm. Dracomium. First time ever chatting in our chat, and he drops in to win Name That Game. Amazing, dude. That is crazy that you got it from that. That's nuts. Now that he says it, I can see it. Like, I never played it. Yeah, like the, the, the whoa. <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 the shatter, the shatter effect. I can see, I can see that. I would never got it, because I've never played that game. So, so I, would, I would not have gotten that myself, but now that he says that, oh, I, I can see it. I honestly thought nobody would get this. Like, literally, like, so this next one that I use, it shows, like, the fracture. And I did that on purpose. I was like, okay, the next shot, I'm actually going to show the fracturing. Mm-hmm. But I still didn't think people would get it from that. I still wouldn't have known that. I would not have known that. Yep. And then they get a little more obvious as it goes. Here's the third one. I can't even see that. So there's an enemy's head right there, mm -hmm. and I thought the head might give it away to people who really knew Quantum Break, and that's kind of what you want with the third image. And then here's the fourth one getting more obvious. Here's a, pretty much the whole enemy character model mm -hmm. from the game. And then for the final image, it was this girl, who is, like, for whatever reason, the most iconic image from Quantum mm -hmm. Break. The screenshot with her face looking worried became, like, the image for this game for whatever reason. But Draconium amazing dude i can't, i really i cannot believe that you got it from that first screenshot so congratulations here is your round of applause by the way congratulations you can dm us here on twitch or you can dm me personally on twitter at dimfire or you can dm the site on twitter at sifted games or you can go on sifted.net and send me a personal message at shane any of those work and we'll get you your free code for a free video game. Amazing. I wish I knew. And Zaboomafu with the Crack Bros. He guessed Control, which was close. Control was probably the close. Like, I was kind of thinking about saying Control. Yeah. But then uh, Dracomium got it. And then the rest of the folks, I don't know if they just saw his and decided to type in Quantum Break. But if they didn't, that's also amazing. Like, it's it's amazing. Sneaky, you won already, dude. Why were you guessing? Mm -hmm. Didn't Sneaky won? Yeah, he won. I can't remember. Yeah, I know he won. Why was he guessing? I think people were just saying the, after the, yeah. the guy guessed it correctly that they he was right. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> uh, but look, other people were guessing incorrectly still. I don't know what he was thinking there. Uh, some people thought it was the last guardian. Okay, I could see that. Um, 
It's a very unique effect. Yeah. But you don't. But here's the thing. It's like I'm gonna go back to it again. This image. I mean, you don't. You don't know. Like that could be zoomed in on like one pixel in the screenshot. Yeah, but the shatter glass like effect is sort of our is sort of. If you've played the whole game, I think you are probably familiar enough with it for it to click. I played the whole game. I would have never got it, ever. Mm. Like to me, that could be an indie game that just has like a crazy mosaic mosaic art style. Like there's a billion. I mean, to things me, it, it looked been. like something. Uh, it, it looked like running really fast through a forest. Yeah, there's a million things right. it could be. But, but I haven't played Quantum Break. <laughs> but, so. but to our winner, it was obvious right away. He guessed it right away. It's crazy. Not Cirque says Quantum Break had so much potential. Agreed. Yeah, bogged down by its TV crap. Yeah, the live action stuff really kind of doomed that game. Uh, but amazing work, man. Just send us a DM. Uh, Dracomium, and uh, we'll get you your free game. And by the way, why not be a part of chat more often? Contribute. We always go to our chat and uh, pluck out great comments. And if you were able to figure out that was Quantum Break, you know your stuff, bro. So be a part of our chat more often, and uh, we'll mention you in the show. Uh, okay, with that, it's time for some Q&A. Let's see what time we got here. Oh, we're pretty much out of time. We have time to answer a couple. I'm surprised this show made it to three hours. I really thought it was going to be a shorty, but not so much. Um, okay, let's get to some questions. See what you guys got for us. Go at Sifted Games. Oh, also, before we move on, now that everyone's here, go to YouTube.com slash Sifted Games and like the brand new episode of New Dimension right now. If you weren't here, we asked people to do it at the beginning of the show. I'm asking you guys to do it again here at the end of the show. If you would like, even if you just want to type in a comment that says, I love this show, the comments, the likes, all that interaction maybe help will help it break through the algorithm so more people can get exposed to the show. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, let's see. Zaboomafu with Crack Bros. You've been a big part of the show. Uh, credit to Vincent. Did Sony tell Square to push... Forspoken for God of War so it wouldn't get cannibalized. No. No. No, not at all. You can't ask a third party to do that. No. <laughs> They'll laugh in your face. That's not happening at all. Uh, Kevin Rafa, which game are you most glad that you went back and played more of this year? That's a good one. Because I have been going back and playing a lot of them. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I'm glad that I finished Horizon Forbidden West. So that would be number one. Um, I'm glad. Oh, have you finished um, Guardians of the Galaxy? By the way, no. The end of that game is bonkers. <laughs> I had played eighty percent of it or something like that. The last twenty percent of that game is nuts. <laughs> it is nuts, dude. Like the endings and every—it's crazy. I don't know if you guys have made it to the end of that game. Do it. It, it the. All the decisions that you've made and stuff, it all matters in the end. I was blown away by that. I am almost at the end of Dying Light 2. And the plot stuff has been way heavier of what I played like recently versus what I played back when we initially talked about it. Um, so all that stuff, all the branching story paths and things like that, and your decisions having a bearing on things that happen, really blooming in the late part of that game. As you play through that game, you start taking over like parts of the map and you have to give them to one faction or the other. So like you take over like a power plant or whatever. You decide whether you want to give it to like one of the groups or the survivors group or whatever. And the decisions that you make there are really, really important. Like you can't even believe how important they are. 
But the moment-to-moment gameplay in Dying Light, I have not enjoyed as much going back to it. It The parkour, still it just feels off to me. Now, I get that as you go that you improve your parkour, and it does become faster and more smooth. But I'm, like, near the end of that game, and there are still moments where it gets a little awkward, like bounding over multiple objects and whatnot. Um, still a great game, by the way. And I'm glad I've gone back and I'm, like, trying to finish it. I'm still enjoying it a lot. But... One game of all the ones I've been going back in the backlog that I'm glad that I went back and finished or kept playing, it was definitely Horizon Forbidden West. Although the end of that game kind of falls on its face a little bit. Have you finished that one? No. The story at the end of that does not really wrap up in a satisfying way, I guess is the best way I could put it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was still a great game all the way to the end. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Uh, another one from Zaboomafu with the Crack Bros. Would you get back into League of Legends because of the worst slump in gaming history? No, I won't. <laughs> I really have no interest to go back. I played it for so long and so hardcore. I just, like, I, no, I just won't. I think I've just got everything out of it that I can get out of it. I'm not interested in becoming, like, an esports star. So, no, I don't think I'll go back. I think I'm done. Um, Vincent, you should do a mini fantasy draft for the second half of 2022 since the current one is decided. July needs content. I've thought about it, but the, <laughs> it would be so unexciting because the rest of the release calendar is so weak. Yeah. Like, we maybe... Basically, it's who gets God of War. Yeah, and you're going to win. And I already got God of War. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. It's just unfortunately just worked out that way this year. And everyone's feeling it, man. Someone did point out, though, that there are still... There are already, or there are still five, at least five people in the fantasy challenge who still have the possibility of getting all ten games. Mm-hmm. So well, a, couple, a couple people already got all ten. Oh, they did. Yeah, at least one person I saw who all their games already came out. Oh, they're already out. Okay, yeah. so that'll be different from last year. But we told you guys that should be your number one goal. I wish I listened to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do that actually. That's the crazy part. Um. Let's see. JM Rain, thank you for all the tier one subs, man. You're the best, dude. You're just amazing. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying your summer off as a teacher. That's the one lucky part about being a teacher. All the rest of it sucks. Like, getting paid not what you're worth, having to buy your own school supplies, all that stuff sucks. The only good part is that you get your whole summer off. You can actually really plan vacations and stuff to do. Uh, Mitchell is alive. Have either of you played Horizon or Ratchet and Clank on their 120 hertz, 40 frames per second mode? Wait, 120 hertz would be 120 frames a second. Yeah. Anyway, no. Or, have you? No, I don't have a TV that can do that. Yeah. Is it? I mean, over 60 frames per second worth it? Yes. I mean, for like Rocket League, I play that at 120 frames, and it yeah. makes a difference. I don't really see why I'd want to care about it on a single player game. Yeah, not as big a deal. Where it's not competitive, though. Um. Okay. I think that's it. You guys are short on questions for today, but I understand it because there's nothing going on in the games industry right now. Um, but that's good because we ran out of time anyway. There you go. That's Game Face, episode 307 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield. You can find me on Twitter at Dinfire. You can find Matt at mkyle. Actually, I haven't shared our Twitter handles for a long time on this show mm. for some reason. I don't know why that is. Um, you can find Matt at mkyle. You can find Sifted at Sifted Games. Game Face is on pretty much every podcast service. I know a lot of people watch the show on YouTube, but if you do want to get it 
Sometimes it's the same time, but sometimes it's a little bit earlier. If you want the podcast versions, you get a little earlier sometimes. Sometimes the video version doesn't go up on Monday. I do try to get them both up on Sunday. A lot of it depends on how busy my Sundays are. Um, But if you want to make sure that you get it Sunday at around noon Pacific every week, get on a podcast app and uh, subscribe. And while you're at it, give us a review because that can make a big difference for us. The more reviews a podcast has on the various podcast services – the more they pop up when people search for like video games. Like if someone searches for video game podcasts, the more reviews we have, the more likely we our show is to pop up at the top. So even if you're a patron, you can totally go and like review Game Face. It's not like it's sneaky or anything. You're just reviewing a podcast that you really like. So if you guys could do that, that would be a huge help. We'd really appreciate it. Um, if you want to support us, head to patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. You can pledge whatever you want, a dollar a month, $4,000 million a month, whatever you want. But generally, if you pledge at least $4 a month, you'll get all our content at least four days early. Um, in the case of some shows, like we just put up the new episode of New Dimension on YouTube, that was actually a two-week delay before it went up on YouTube. Uh, but for the most part, Pactor Factor is a week. Game Face is four, four days, and most of our other content is four days as well. Go pledge at, Patre- at our Patreon. That would be awesome. If you can't afford to do any of that, you can still help us totally for free if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber all you got to do is link your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account, and then you can subscribe to our channel and give us a free $2.50 every month. You do have to re-up it every month, and that sucks and it's annoying. I totally get it. But it does only take like two clicks once you've actually connected your accounts the first time. And again, that's completely free. It costs you nothing. Amazon gives us the money. And everybody, I think, at this point would like Amazon to pay out a little bit more. Don't you think, Matt? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so anyway, there's lots of ways it. that you can help us. And if you can't do any of that and you're like, I don't have Amazon Prime, just like the show on YouTube and comment on the show. Again, we're trying to break through these algorithms on YouTube so that the show can reach a new audience. I refuse to believe that the audience that we have on YouTube right now is the are the only people who want to watch this show. I refuse to believe it. There are mil- There are billions of gamers out there who have never heard of Game Face. And I believe if they discover it, they're going to like it. So if you can't help us financially at all, you can always do that. You can share it on your social media. You can like the show. You can leave comments. All that stuff will help the show bubble up and reach new people, which is a big deal for us. So that's it. We'll be back next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, as we always are. Until then, have yourself a great week of gaming. Game Face is up and out. (laughs) 